This week on Geeksplained, we are less than a week away from Kingdom Hearts 3, and I literally cannot contain my excitement. Welcome back to Geek Explain, the podcast for comics, film, TV, and more. You name it, we explain it. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is kind of a special one for me. Uh, for those of you who don't know, um, last year we uh, were kind of still in our building phase of trying to figure out what we're going to do with this podcast, uh, what we'd like to talk about, the things we'd like to see uh discussed and explored with this podcast and during that time i got a request from a good friend of mine to check out and kind of cover all of the uh, kingdom hearts story and i thought about it and this kind of coincided with the announcement of kingdom hearts 3 with uh, all of the release of trailers and all this stuff and i thought to myself let's do a full series do a full series going game to game going through the entire uh story of the kingdom hearts series and so we started it in july with kingdom hearts one we went game by game uh by release date most of the time uh through the entire series up until the ninth game in the series kingdom hearts 0.2 a fragmentary passage last week if you haven't checked out last week's episode you should it's really good and this whole series, we're now, we started in July, so six, yeah, six months, has been dedicated to this series. And we have all of this lore, all of this time spent talking about these games, diving back into them, playing them, uh, discussing the story beats, discussing theories. We have all of this, all of this uh kingdom hearts content that we've been kind of putting on this podcast is all thanks to the person who uh originally requested the kingdom hearts series to be covered on the podcast he's a good friend of mine and um his name is damien garcia so uh this past winter i went back to arizona where um I'm from, and while I was there, I sat down with Damien, and we wanted to go over and cover our top seven Kingdom Hearts moments throughout the entire franchise. Why top seven? We'll get into that during the conversation, but um, yeah, we spent uh, pretty much just 
under two hours talking about our favorite moments in the series, talking about certain things we didn't like in the series, throwing in a couple different uh, predictions. So that is what today's episode is all about. Uh, me and Damien are going to discuss our favorite points of the series because there are is a lot of cool stuff that happened over the course of these nine games, soon to be ten. And um, with the release of Kingdom Hearts 3 less than a week away, uh, I really wanted to kind of cast an eye back, kind of looking over everything that we've covered and everything that we've uh, come through since we started the series back in July. So we are going to do a big jump over to that discussion that was recorded back in December, and I hope you folks enjoy it. After the discussion, make sure to stick around for this week's Comics Countdown, and without further ado, here is our discussion between me and Damien on our top seven Kingdom Hearts moments. Welcome to the podcast. Damien Garcia. Damien, how you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, today's episode is going to be focused on our top seven Kingdom Hearts moments. Why seven, you say? Now, Damien actually had this really good idea because I was just going to do top five because you know I do top fives all the time. Mm-hmm. But he said to me, how about we do top seven in the vein of the seven guardians of light? blew my mind i thought let's do it boom it was an excellent idea and so that is what we're doing now (laughs) and it also helped me because narrowing down an entire an entire series of kingdom hearts to five moments is damn near impossible it's incredibly difficult so seven made it a little bit easier not (laughs) much but a little bit easier so um exactly our format is we kind of tried to stick to uh moments that kind of impacted the story but also have a special place in our hearts and before we jump into it these are our personal lists you can feel free to disagree you can feel free to let us know that our picks are awful (laughs) and you can tell us how much better your picks are you can do that on twitter at geeksplainedpod that's at geeksplainedpod you can also send me emails because i'm an old man i still read emails to geeksplained at Mm gmail.com do not harass damien he is a precious soul and we are gonna jump into it we're recording this episode Far in advance. Way far in advance. Uh, way far in advance. We are recording this um, just before Christmas. I'm currently in beautiful, sunny Arizona, not in my current residence in Los Angeles. It's very nice to be back home, but we got to get work done. Exactly. So we are jumping into it. Um, I figure we'll do one of yours, one of mine, one of yours, one of mine, one of yours. Oh, you want me mine. to start first? Yeah, we'll okay. go back and forth. So these are our top seven Kingdom Hearts moments. We're going to see if a little bit later on, if we have time, depending on how momentum's going, we might also throw out 13 nitpicks of the series. We'll see. We'll see. We'll leave a little teaser for you right there. If we get to it, we get to it. So uh, starting at number seven, Damien, what is your number seven moment in Kingdom Hearts history? Okay. Um, These are in no particular order, honestly. They're just seven... (laughs) instances where I've I don't know been really interested in the characters or the story's been really great or you know it's just like a personal connection mm-hmm. or of some sort um 
Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I'll just go in that order. I guess I wrote them down. Um, let's jump to like 358 over two days. Um, oh. Just any kind of Syx axel scene. I don't know. Their relationship's really interesting. Yeah. We haven't really touched on it. Just briefly in Birth by Sleep, you know, right, we see true. these kids. They're just trying to get into the castle for whatever reason, which yeah. we still don't know. I, yeah, I don't know if it ever... We still don't know why they're trying no, to get into the like, castle. You ready? Let's go. And they, I think they get kicked <laughs> but, out But we don't... Point, but, yeah. Um, but I think their interest, their uh, relationship, rather, is really interesting. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully in the new game we've seen in some of the trailers, if there's any spoilers, sorry... Um, uh, they're talking on the Twilight Town Clock Tower. I don't know if that's prior to the events of the game, after, during... Oh, that's a good point. Um, so hopefully we'll dive into that. But I think just... Because they were such... They came off as such good friends, and then you jump to, you know, 358 over two days, and Sykes is a completely different person. Mm -hmm. He's very almost bitter to Axel with his, um developing relationship with Xion and Roxas. And yeah, I feel, I feel like he's super jealous. I think he is, and it's, just, it's funny because they always emphasize oh, nobody's have no emotions, and mm -hmm. we find out later it's not the case. Untrue. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I think anytime they're shown on screen together the dialogue's really interesting he's just, why are you choosing fake friendships over real ones, which yeah. I'm assuming he's alluding to. Right. Um, um so yeah, I'm really hoping we get development on them, and I'm sure we will, because I think Syx is a really fun character, and he's almost as tragic as anyone. Because oh, I I I agree, I agree. I, mean, I I actually really like their relationship, and I agree that we need to get more of it in uh, Kingdom Hearts Three. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know; it's so weird because the the games, this entire series, places such. A huge uh, emphasis on friendship, yeah, and how the people around you, the connections you make, ultimately are your strength, are your power. Mm -hmm. But we really haven't seen that when it comes to uh, Sykes and Axel or Isa and Lee. Right, and a lot of times their best moments are so far away from each other. Mm -hmm. But I think one of the things that Three Five Eight Days Over Two did was really place emphasis on certain things that we only got, like, tastes of in right. parts two. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, say what you will about that game with all the, uh... The weird gameplay mechanics and the grid system. The missions for however many hours. <laughs> but, um, I really liked how much extra lore that brought. Yeah, me too. So I guess that was... That's my first... Nice. Hit. So... I feel a little weird now because I did rank mine. Mine are in a particular order. Oh, please go for it. Um, my number seven comes from uh, Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. Mm -hmm. Always basically fighting Kingdom Hearts 2 for the top spot in my heart. I'm your favorite. Yeah. Okay. I just, I love, I love tragic stories. Hey, hey. <laughs> and no one in that game is more tragic than Terra. Mm -hmm. Terra did nothing wrong first of all. Um, but the moment that I am referring to is kind of the moment that really starts to get the ball rolling to where we start the story in Kingdom Hearts 1. And that is Terra's possession 
uh, by Xehanort mm-hmm. during their whole battle um, atop that giant cliff rock face. Uh, Terra beats the holy hell out of Xehanort, so Xehanort decides, you know what? I have been priming you and getting you ready. I'm going to possess you now. And we realize that Terra's story is just Star Wars. Terra, yeah, yeah, Terra is Anakin Skywalker. Master Xehanort is the Emperor. (laughs) And in this weird Emperor possessing Darth Vader kind of thing, he possesses Terra. Because I don't know about you, but when I first saw the... um, the secret movie from Kingdom Hearts 2 mm-hmm. that reveals Terra's face for the first time. Yeah. His eyes go amber and like, it's like, oh, is this going to be a Xehanort origin story? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, we never did. And we finally find out that it kind of is. It technically is. At least the the Xehanort that we come to uh, be familiar with. Mm-hmm. And him possessing him, and he gives that whole speech that Ansem gives in the first Kingdom Hearts game about, like, all worlds begin in darkness and also return. Um, that that was cool. I loved that, bringing it kind of full circle, mm-hmm. which is what really Birth by Sleep is kind of all about. Mm-hmm. But the moment that got me cheering was he's like, all right. I win. I'm getting the hell out of here. He starts to walk away, and then you see these chains suddenly go in like a dome over the sky. He's like, what? And he turns around, and there is Terra's lingering will fucking kneeling there with his keyblade. And as someone who um, who played the Japanese-only final mix for Kingdom Hearts 2 back when you could only get it in Japan Mm. I did some things and I broke my PS2 to be able to play this game but fighting the lingering will you get out there through a portal in Disney Castle and you see just that kneeling armor there Mm. he just wrecks shop destroys you right? and then you don't find out what his deal is until this game Mm -hmm. and then you see (laughs) You see Terra or Terra Nort at this point turn around. He sees that kneeling, kneeling armor, and I just, whoa, yes! Because now he's gonna have to deal with that Keyblade writing bullshit. He's gonna yeah. have to deal with firing cannons at him. You don't get to do that, unfortunately. But yeah, <laughs> but it's just one of those moments where I was like, yes! It was so fulfilling to me because it's one of those moments where it's like you're gonna, you're about to get your shit wrecked. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's that's my number seven. Just for the sheer joy it gave to me to be able to play this, this character that you didn't know anything about. And it's like right. powerful, and you're like great to sort of get revenge. Yeah, to to a certain extent, and then you yeah. also get that story of like now you know why he's there mm-hmm. too, which is great. That's one of the things I like about like the secret bosses, how they were just you know almost throwaways, but he integrated them into the story. Mm-hmm. They're can't can't can, canonical is that the right word i think that's yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no and it's good we'll see i think we'll see the lingering will again i think so the trailer he was fighting he's still there so yeah let's get tara back let's get tara home bring back tara who did nothing wrong no, all right it's funny just jumping back to tara really quick um playing through his story recently uh in neverland before you 
finish up the game, if you talk to Peter Pan, he says, "You look, he's, you look like someone who could be easily tricked. Be careful." <laughs> I didn't know that. I didn't either, and I was like, "I'm just going to talk to everybody in this playthrough." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, you little sneak." He's so right. He's so right, though. Peter Pan's a Nord. He's he, oh my god. Right. Imagine all the Disney characters. Just Peter Pan Norded confirmed. Yellow eyes. Oh god. They're ready. Dude, if they, if we run into Tron and he's been Norded, that is. That is my precious boy. It's gonna break your heart. It's gonna hurt me physically. <laughs> on a on a complete side note, I had never played through Dream Drop Distance. We spoke on that before. That's right. Did you finish it? I did. Okay, so I, can I did. We can't. Okay. Great. Um, and plus, this is coming out after Way. the Dream Drop Distance episode, so oh, okay. they will also be caught up. So at this point, like, if there is spoilers. You should know. Exactly. If you haven't played the games or listened to our incredibly definitive uh, podcast series on them, this is spoiler-filled. Completely spoiler-filled. Um, but yeah, like, going in there and playing Tron Legacy, which, regardless of how people, like, shit on that movie the all movie. the time, I loved that movie. <laughs> I did too. I am a Tron fanboy, and I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. So getting to play through... Essentially, what happens in that game, you also realize because they lifted a lot of the dialogue in that world straight from the movie. Yeah, yeah. Getting to, because I haven't seen that movie in years, but getting to hear the dialogue, like nowadays, I'm like, oh, this dialogue's not great. <laughs> but, like, you still, like, it's, it's nostalgia, mm-hmm. it's a mix of, like, something that you held close to your heart. I still have a busted uh, identity disc somewhere really? like we um i remember going and seeing it with uh one and brendan shout out to one and brendan um and we all after seeing it at uh foothills mall walked over to the walmart that's right near there and we all got d- identity discs cool. from the Walmart toy aisle. Right. And we uh, we kept them in our cars for a long time. Uh-huh. And being here in the Arizona heat, leaving something that's plastic in your car during the summer, it got warped and, like, busted. But I kept it. But I kept it in my car. I don't know where it is now since I have... I got a new car. But Tron holds a special place in my heart. And I swear to God, if Xanor does anything to him, I'm going to riot. We went off on a wild tangent there, but um, Damien, what is your number six top Kingdom Hearts moment? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. I guess we can come back to that. It's another birth by sleep thing, but we're already talking about it, so I'll wrap oh, back here. Feel free. We, no, no format. Well, one of them was the final battle in that game. I mean, aside from the music being like, Freaking amazing. Can we just Incredible. shout out um, to Yoko Shimomura? Oh, uh, Genius. Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. So, it was, it's so ni- it was so, like, fulfilling to, you know, having seen the secret ending, which when it came out, people were, like, freaking out. Is this Kingdom Hearts 3? Where are we going with this story? What's happening? Who are right. these people? And then, you know... The game coming out, you play through the story, and you finally get that resolution of, oh, this is what led up to all this, mm-hmm. was really satisfying, and, and tragedy. Of course. She fells these poor cinnamon buns, cinnamon rolls, is that the word? I don't know. Chinese internet slang. Um, 
it was yeah it's just a lot of fun um you get to see all these people play out their roles um i mean I don't know, i'm trying to think of other things to say about it it's just it's just so a really you, epic moment, I think. So are you referencing, like, the whole the, thing, each battle going off there? Yeah, I don't know if I had, cool. like, a particular, like, moment in that, which mm-hmm. I was like, this is my favorite of this whole fight. Right. I don't know. I mean, I just, anytime Leonard Nimoy would talk, oh I just God. had to stop and, like, oh. zone out. Which is oh. such a shame, it's, but... I know, I know, it's it's a shame. Rest in peace, Leonard Nimoy. But um, have you heard? You've obviously watched the new trailers. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to feel about his voice, about Master Zaynor's voice. Yeah. I'm... Do we know? It hasn't been revealed yet who is who his voice actor. I don't think so. Right? No, and I don't know if anyone. Has. I heard. I don't remember who it was. It might have been one of the Kingdom Hearts YouTubers, but someone like posited that it might be Mark Hamill throwing on a different voice for him since he is voicing uh, Master Ericus, right? which I thought would be interesting and I've listened back and I don't know if I could pinpoint because Mark Hamill is such like a distinct twang to his voice. Yeah, you can tell if it's... So I don't know, but his voice, it you can tell the person is working very hard to do the same voice that Leonard Nimoy yes. does, but he's also someone who has such a like unique flavor to his voice yeah this... and i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna feel about it it's it's gonna be a little a little weird listening to it yeah no yeah. and i'm yeah i'm sure it'll be okay in the end but of course getting used to it yeah but he had that like rough and yeah darkness 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 darkness, darkness. yeah the darkness well and i mean even like because weird um Weird voice acting changes always throw me off. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really, and for me, it was strange. It wasn't strange when it first came out, but it was stranger going through these games again with the HD collections. Um, Rechain of Memories. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to take place technically like a day after Kingdom Hearts 1, mm-hmm. but they did all the voice acting and everything and the remastering of it years after that came out, after Kingdom Hearts 2 came out. Yep. So, and I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it throws me off so hard that Sora's voice is so much more mature. It's his Kingdom Hearts 2 voice. And Haley Joel Osment is trying his best to go as high register as he can with his voice. But it just, it throws me off because he's like, my friends are my power to like... Nominee. And it's like, ah. Mm. It's not landing. Not quite. Mm-hmm. Not quite. Yeah. But anyway, um, I guess we'll jump into my six. Yeah, my, my number six is the very first dive to heart in the mm. first Kingdom Hearts game. Because I remember the first time I ever played this, I was... We'll just say young. Mm. I don't want to do math right now, so let's just say I was young. Yeah, yeah. And it was at a friend's house. Okay. He was uh, he was a teenager at that point, and they were... Um, my parents were friends with his parents. They were going out to eat or dinner or something, and uh, he was basically babysitting me. But I remember he was... he and 
I mean, it's early 2000s, so he was one of those grunge teenagers who's sure. just, like, sitting in his room, like, playing his PS2. <laughs> and uh, he's playing, he playing this game that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. Never seen before. It's this weird anime-looking kid running around with Donald Duck and Goofy. I recognize Donald Duck and Goofy, but this weird anime kid is whacking things with keys. And I'm like, what is this? Kind of. Early this, 2000 concept. Yeah. yeah. What, what is this new millennium concept that's being brought into my life now? Because yep. at that time, I was like, oh, yeah, Mega Man. Yeah. Jump and Shoot Man. I'm actually, I'm playing through the uh, the X Legacy Collection. Oh, uh-huh. So, so good. I need to start playing those. Everything. Terrible. So good. Um, and I'm, I haven't played it yet, but I'm looking forward to playing through Mega Man 11 at some point. Yeah. I, I'm progressing like I'm thinking down the road X collection intermittent with Smash mm-hmm. hopefully I get it for Christmas yeah. and then Mega Man 11 I'm gonna pace myself out yeah but um, I remember he was looking at me he, he did that cool teenager thing that everyone did in the early 2000s where he's like like you wanna play <laughs> and like I just remember being like yes new older brother I will definitely play this game that you are so much going to be so much better at. So he boots up. A, he even booted up a new game. He didn't do the thing where like, all right, I'm gonna save here. You can play, <laughs> right. and then when you're done, I'm gonna restart the PS2 and Don't pick up where I saved. Um, I, th- I think we're okay with language. Okay, for here. So Sometimes don't feel I'm getting a potty mouth. That's I all right. Control. It's all right when you're passionate about something. It just comes out. Yes. Um, but he even, like, he booted up a new game, set it on easy, did the whole thing, and then handed the controller to me. And I just remember diving in, and I'm like, where Donald the Goofy? <laughs> He's not, nah. I'm not using a key, I'm yeah. using a regular old sword. Mm-hmm. But this was my first real brush with, like, almost Final Fantasy-esque, um, in a Final Fantasy-esque introduction where it's like, choose your class. Are yeah. you going to... Um, prioritize strength, defense, or magic. I was an idiot the first time, and I was like, I'll prioritize magic, because I got a cool little wand, and I can whack things. (laughs) I died. I wanted to start over. Got the sword. And then years later, of course, everyone has revealed to me that the shield was the the best option. But, um, But yeah, so I remember going through, learning about all the shadows, and like going through these, like, long stairs to these giant pillar platforms Disney princesses on them and I'm like this is everything I grew up with but elevated right and of course I'm like a little kid at this point and I'm like are all the Disney movies interconnected this way is this how they've been this entire time (laughs) blowing my mind and at this point you know and I'm playing this kid who He's kind of dressed like Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Is he Mickey Mouse? Is he human Mickey? I don't know. Like all these things, all these questions that I had. And I mean, even going through this and starting this up way back in July, booting that up again, playing through the HD version and diving in for the first time, you still get that feeling of like, yeah. this is something different. Exactly. This is something new. And for that reason alone, like it stands out to me because it was something that... I was like, oh, games can be more than just jumping and shooting things. Mm. Games can be more than just, like, Tekken fighting games. <laughs> like, stuff like that. Like, they can have depth. They can have stuff. And this is what 
this moment getting attached and invested in something like this. Mind you, after this, because I only played through basically the Dive to Heart and then like the opening, because I got really frustrated because I couldn't beat Riku in a race. That little sucker, man. So I just... It's so jumping. You can it's jump the on jumping. Trees. The platforming was so bad in that game, but they wanted to make it a platformer. Um, <laughs> so I got frustrated. Couldn't beat Riku to race, and then by the time at that point we had to leave, and I didn't pick that game up again until years later. Oh, right. So because I didn't get a PS2 until years later. Mm-hmm. So um, it was it was kind of the jumping off point where I was like, oh, these games can have story. These games can have. Um, depth to them. This is what broke me into the Final Fantasy games. Mm. This is what broke me into games like Metal Gear Solid. Like, this was kind of the moment where I was like, I can do this. I can play stories and live these characters' lives. So for that moment, and that kind of realization and opening the door to other games, that is my number six. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think think that's one of the things that draws me to this series. Like, I'm a hardcore Nintendo guy, but Kingdom Hearts is probably the one series outside of that that I'm just obviously obsessed over mm. and yeah i think just it it prioritizes these themes and characters that you really get engaged and attached to and that's one of the things i'm noticing with like the release of the new one it's just like all this nostalgia is coming back to people that i didn't even realize were so granted not many people probably played all the games but they have some experience with the series and i think that's just as getting me hyped because right you see all these people they're just like oh my god these characters i, I care so much about them and uh, Sora's crying he's oh, breaking man. down he doesn't uh, do that what do, what causes him what to, is like someone's dying I know. someone's dying and i'm worried about it um but yeah to your point like i mean when i first started playing this game and even when i was playing kingdom hearts 2 you know social media wasn't what it is today mm-hmm. so it's like what I can't share this with anybody except like my immediate friends and granted they enjoyed it too but it was like this was something that I really dove deep in on because I love mythology I love lore Mm -hmm. Kingdom Hearts is chock full of it oh indeed and now seeing all these people who are dedicating like entire podcasts entire YouTube channels to something that I am just as invested in Mm -hmm. blows my mind and it gets me more excited because now we're completing that story yep so Damien, what is your number five? Okay, um, I know you mentioned no boss battles, but no, this no, is no, just no. the one thing. Okay, okay, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to walk back that rule, because we, okay. we were talking, for, for context, we were talking last night while we were compiling our, uh, <laughs> our lists, and... I he, I mentioned I was like I would like to prioritize like story stuff, but if you choose boss battles, I won't mind. And um, I am now walking that rule back just to give because it's your personal list. It's just a brief your personal list blurb. So, um, well, I mean, there's plenty of boss right. battles in this series. You know, so many good memories. Um, this is more just a personal one. So many chains of memories. Speaking of which, uh, you're you're leading into my point. Uh, my pick um, so anyways okay some context more context um, back when Chain of Memories was a Game Boy Advance game of course I played it never beat it I think I got to the last Riku battle and just could not do it dick he's a dick he is a dick he is exactly that um, Riku Replica come back uh, I think he is he might be back I don't really know it's hard to tell nowadays um, what's the thing I lose my train of thought a lot if you can't tell uh, anyways 
playing Rechain of Memories later on when it came out, I was doing pretty good and I was finally getting the hang of the system a little bit. So when it came time to fight Marluxia, that last battle, it was really weird. So, of course, he's like this big giant scythe so weird. thing, whatever he is. And I don't know, there was something about starting the battle, hearing the battle music, that da 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 Lord good. of the Castle or whatever the track is called. I got really like, like a passion, like empowered, I guess is yeah. a good word. Okay. Because I was like, oh my god, I'm finally going to beat this game. I'm going to really do it. This is awesome. I mastered this card system that I thought I would never have any control over. And I don't know, something Yeah, something about that just really was has stuck with me since then. Because I haven't really had that experience really with anything else. Maybe it's because play, it's playing something I once played and right. coming like back conquering. to it. Yeah. Because that was a similar situation with the first Kingdom Hearts. I couldn't beat... Riku in Hollow Bastion in his like dark form. So I had a friend do it. Years <laughs> later, I finally did it. And I was like, I've achieved it. I'm awesome. <laughs> this, this is the peak of my I life. I did it. No, yeah. I feel the same way though, because that, <laughs> I mean, speaking to that Riku battle, uh-huh. like, I mean, you spend, I remember spending six hours trying to beat him. Mm-hmm. And then like, you go back, you have a friend come and they beat it on their like second or third try. And it just makes you physically angry. Yeah. But then like years later you come back to it and you're like, I got you. I beat you. I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I know what to expect. Uh-huh. So I, I totally get it. I totally get it. So that would, yeah, that's, but that, that Marluxia battle for whatever reason, it's just like this little piece of me that's always like, oh, I'm, I was so excited to do that. Well, and I think what's interesting about that battle is, like, for Rechain of Memories, they added that third sequence to it. Because mm. in the original Game Boy game, there was only the first two, where you fight him in the hallway, and oh, then right. you fight his first, like, his weird, and like, beetle, yeah, grasshopper, sighting mantis. Yeah. Looking. And then, like, because I remember I was, I felt the same way. I, I beat him that second form, and I was like, okay, I beat the game. There we go. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, like, you get warped into this other world, very Final Fantasy, mm-hmm. where he's now part of this giant, like, creature, and you have to, like, fight on the yep. plane. He hits you with tornadoes. You gotta go collect your cards like a loser. Mm-hmm. Running around like I just need a, I just need Give a cure. Me a sec. Give me a sec. I just sec. need a cure card. Please. I just need a cure card. <laughs> so like, no, it's it's that's a great that's a great pick. I I will spoil my list a little bit. There are no chain of memories moments on my list. No. <laughs> that was I, the one. I I came up with one, but while I was because the way I did it, I went game by game on moments that I loved. And I only had like two, two moments from Chain of Memories, mm-hmm. and they were knocked out like first round. Oh man, going through. So uh, my next moment, no my number five, mm-hmm. is comes again from Kingdom Hearts: Birth by Sleep because I love that game. Yes, and that is, I guess, technically the secret. I have this labeled as quote unquote Sora, and it's the final moments of the end of the game Aqua my precious heart um, (laughs) has found herself onto the beach in the world of darkness and encounters a cloaked figure who we all know 
is our Lord and Savior answer. And he's kind of filling her in on what's happened in the past two games. And she's like, oh my God, so much time has passed. What, what's the name of the boy? And it suddenly just starts cutting to all of the characters throughout all of the games that have been so far. You get a shot of Roxas, Shion, and Axel sitting on Twilight Town, the tower, my heart. Um, they look up and they say, Sora. You cut over to um, Terra and Ven sitting in the land of departure. Ven wakes up, they look at the sky, and they say, Sora. And it's really this moment of, you know, it finally cuts back to Aqua, and, you know, a tear rolls down her face when she realizes that boy that I met mm-hmm. is now saving the world, saving all the worlds. And she says, Sora. And it's this moment where you really get the scope of the series. Yeah, I agree. Of just how many people are connected to Sora. Mm-hmm. Because I think for me, as the games went on past uh, Birth by Sleep, we're talking like Coded, Dream Drop Distance, that kind of thing. Yeah. For me personally, I started to think to myself, why is Sora the main character again? Yeah, because like you start to get to these points where it's like, he's not the best Keyblade wielder. No, he isn't the most powerful. He hasn't conquered light and darkness. Pretty gullible. He's very gullible. He he seems to get more gullible as the games go by. That's funny, but I start to th- you start to think to yourself like, well, why isn't Roxas the main character? Why isn't Riku the main character? Uh-huh. But. This is kind of that sobering moment where it's like all of these people would not be able to be saved without their connection to Sora. And this moment for me was like bringing it all around as like, this is why he's important. This is why he's the only one who can save them. This is the why he he has to be the one to beat him. To beat Xehanort. So I loved that moment. I loved getting to see everybody. And seeing Shion again always weighs heavy on my heart. I know, the poor, oh, poor girl. She did not get justice. I know, I hope she's... I don't know. It's, it's really... It's weird! I don't know if she's going to be turned or not. It's really hard to say. Because they, we do have that moment in one of the most recent trailers where I think it's Saix talking to... Uh, oh, someone. someone. Saying, like, don't disappoint us because we brought you back into the organization. But, I mean, that could be anybody. It could be, I don't know. It doesn't look very short to be Shion. Oh, that's true. People were saying it was like Marluxia just to be like, you were a traitor. You know who's who I'm surprised they brought back for that? Mm-hmm. Demix. I know. Because <laughs> he's such a loser and he doesn't care about he any of the stuff. So I was like, you had all of these people that were loyal to you. Yeah. You bring back Demix? There's got to be some reason. There's got to be some reason other than fan service. I'm the, yeah, unless like everybody's here. Let's bring everybody back. Yeah. For a hurrah. But yeah, so that is that is my number five. That's a good Damien. one. What is your number four? Um, let's see. I think I'll go. Um, I picked the. Uh, it's funny. I really didn't mean to, to be a killer boss battle, I guess. But um, just Axel and Roxas. They're oh. like their confrontation because um, playing everything the first time was in release order, so you kind of just got right. the context of what you got. Because you see just Roxas and Axel fighting, you don't really see the whole backstory, but once 
having pl- watched three, five, eight days <laughs> yeah. before now playing the second game, and then you kind of get a better understanding of their whole backstory, all the pain and fun and drama and all this stuff that they've went through, and then you just Roxas doesn't know, and he, they just fight, and Axel is so heartbroken having to like. You know, wrangle his friends back in because he he cares about them so much he doesn't want to see him get hurt. But that, that moment the, where he's yelling at Shion, he's like, "You could go as far as you want, but I'll always bring you back." Like, it hits me every time. Uh, you know, and then in the trailer, he, she's like, "Don't hold back, Lee." And you're like, uh, 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 "Why would you say that?" Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, God, their their relationship is so hard. I mean. You see it countless times with the series. They're always right. So, and then yeah, I mean, you it prove you prove later on. You know, nobody's can feel, mm-hmm. and despite denying it, they they've created this really strong friendship. Like you said, friendship is the core of the series, and I think they have probably one of the strongest, aside from like you know, Sora and Riku, right? Whoever. Um, but yeah, just the boss battle and, you know, leading up to it um, with with the context. I mean, you, yeah, it's just, it's, it's tough to watch. Yeah, and I mean, you find out. you're absolutely right. Like, the uh, the fight at first, the first time I played through Kingdom Hearts 2, I was like, okay, this is kind of sad, but I'm more focused on, like, Roxas' story. I'm more mm-hmm. focused on, like this guy who had his entire life stolen from him yeah was put in this fake town with these fake friends um, now having to fight this guy who says he's his friend but is trying to like kill him because we had at that point we only knew Axel as this dude in Castle Oblivion trying to manipulate the other members and Sora exactly as agenda after playing through and watching through uh, three, five, eight days, which if you are a fan of this podcast and you have been listening, is my favorite title in the entire series. <laughs> um, going back and playing through and realizing that, God, can you, ima- can you imagine, like, you have a best friend, you spend every day with them, like, you know... Having adventures, going to the store, fighting monsters, eating ice cream, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, the next time he goes away, and the next time you, you see him, he doesn't even recognize you. Yeah, like so. Axel goes through a lot. He does. That's and that's an interesting character. That fight, I I love because it was the first time in the series you get to play dual wielding keyblades. As yep, that too. And you get to see because. Kingdom Hearts 2 starts off, your fighting style is very much reminiscent of Sora's in the first game. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you get the two Keyblades that you realize, we can go vertical with these fights (laughs) right now. We can do flips. We can do all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you thought you knew the the style of battle. Guess what? We're going somewhere else. (laughs) Changed. But yeah, and then you you get all of that context of them fighting and him being like, the scene where uh, Roxas runs away from him and Axel kind of like talking to himself, he's like, "Your friend's gone. Mm-hmm. Your friend's really gone." And then the moment where 
Roxas seems to remember him. It's like Axel. And Axel just goes, oh, you remember me. I'm so flattered. Like, the fire goes up. And it's like, he's just acting out of anger now. And it's a hurt friend. And mm-hmm. it, it's it's sad. For sure. I know. God. Ugh. That's a great pick. So, ugh. Too many heartbreaks. So sad many. Sad stories. Absolutely. No. Resolution. Hopefully. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Hopefully. Okay. But uh, my number four, I have titled Simple and Clean. And my moment, the explanation for this, is the ending of Kingdom Hearts 1. Mm-hmm. After you've defeated Ansem, you are reunited with Kyrie. Sora is reunited with Kyrie. And the end of the world world is like breaking apart because all the worlds are returning Mm -hmm. stars in the sky all the resolution happy endings for everybody but not because Sora is grabbing Kairi's hand Riku had to sacrifice himself locked himself in the realm of darkness to close the door and he's grabbing Kairi's hand and he's like I'll find you. I'll find you. I'll come back. And Kyrie just goes, I know you will. And their hands pull apart, simple and clean. Like, the the music kicks on. And I remember playing through this game the first time. I was still relatively young. (laughs) And that broke my heart. Because most games you play, when you get to the end of them, mind you, at this point, we don't know that this is going to be an entire series. Mm Mm-hmm. That's like eight plus games. Yep. And you think, this is it. Like, you beat the bad guy. You're going home with your friends. Like, you've had a great adventure. And when they get pulled apart and you realize, this is a tragic ending. They're really going dark. They're going dark. They're not gonna... This isn't resolved. It was like the first time where I was like, this is sad. Like, this is a sad ending that leaves us off for more adventures, of course. But it's also like you don't get the resolution you were expecting, which is great. It mm. subverts expectations. Yep. But just that moment of like their hands pulling apart, simple and clean kicking in, not the opening like techno version, uh, but mm. like this sad piano version. And then Kyrie being back on Destiny Islands, the stars shooting up into the sky. It was incredible. And it was the ending to a game that I'm never going to forget. It's pretty emotional. Especially for something, I guess, if you consider Disney targeted towards younger audiences. The series deals with a lot of hard adult Adult subjects. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, um, you said heartbreak, um, hurt, which I'm getting to. Um, Just, and yeah, just like using your friends as a support system and finding that uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say but yes no 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 I, I kind of see what you're saying though but like with find, using your friends as a support system and being able to deal with loss deal with heartache deal with tragedy and using that support system to keep you going mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the things that this series with as much as people like to complain about oh there's too many side games the story goes nowhere the themes that ring true in this series is, I think, why people cling to it so hard. Mm-hmm. It teaches you real life lessons. Yeah. 
So, that being said, that deep philosophical talk being said, what is your number three? Is it it even what I said it was going to be? It is, okay. Um, So you, well, at the time of this recording, you just did the coded episode. Um, And, you know, a lot of people give that flack for being like, all this talk and gibber and it's like I had a lot of problems a lot of problems with it um I did too for the most part I mean I kind of in hindsight I'm kind of trying to see the point of it especially considering just like how data works in this universe right and if something that they dealt with in that is maybe what will happen with Roxas in the new game if, if they're Ooh. I don't because they know you know they talk about like a digital twilight town and data replicas data replicas oh. that's why I'm like maybe this is where we're going with this that's I didn't think of that that's interesting uh, but anyways um near the end of the game uh you know Sora has just gone through all the worlds and he's um confronting data Roxas and uh just talking about you know do you understand? Do you remember your friends? This, this, and that. And something about the dialogue and Data Sora coming to terms with accepting hurt as a part of either just your heart or being human, whatever it may be, um, really stuck with me. Just He accepts that having hurt with you, carrying something like that, that kind of burden on your shoulders can be hard, but it reminds you of important things that you've been through that have been in your life that you care about. Right. And going back to like dealing with heavy subjects in what some would consider a kid's game. Um, I don't know, that's just really stuck with me. A lot of the dialogue in these games just really is impactful, and that's one of the things that I thought him talking about, I go back to that some days, and I'm just like, I really want to hear you talk about this for a little bit. Yeah. So, I don't know. Something about that. <laughs> well, no, and I, I, I think I agree. That's, like, it's high concept for a kid's game. Mm-hmm. Podcast listeners, I just threw up the uh, quotation marks. Okay, cool. But, like, being able to really explain to your audience, like, it's okay for bad things to happen. Mm-hmm. It's okay for you to feel things about them. Because that helps you grow. That helps you evolve as a person yes and I like that I like that a lot and that was one of the things out of that game that I was like okay I can I can get with this for mm-hmm. sure I have a lot of problems with that game um, but I yeah that's great that's a great pull that whole game is just one nitpick on the list that's gonna be on the list <laughs> number one <laughs> number one but um, yeah that's that's killer it's all these emotions Right. And I think that a lot of these games help teach people how to deal with their emotions. Mm-hmm. Which is I love it. great. Um, so my number three is, going back to Kingdom Hearts 2, speaking of Roxas and Data, mm-hmm. um, when Roxas meets Sora, you have gone through all seven days of your, or how many days of your summer vacation. Mm-hmm. You have realized your life is a lie. You have remembered who you are. You have fought and assumed killed your best friend. All of the friends who you thought were your friends are just data. The world you live in is data. You remember that you were captured, that you were forcibly forced into this digital realm. Mm -hmm. And then 
you finally make it to this last room and you meet Diz, who is a dick. Yeah. Especially to Roxas. Like, we see moments throughout the series where we, like, touch back on Diz and in hindsight, we're like, okay, Diz has, like, a bigger goal in mind. And he's trying to do his best to move the chess pieces so that they can make that plan happen. Mm -hmm. But he is, like unnecessarily rude to Roxas. He's really aggressive. A lot, right? And he's just like, well, I know your life is a lie, but your life's been a lie the whole time. <laughs> You're not meant to exist. You're You're just nobody. a nobody. You are nobody. And he's like super bitter about it, and you can tell that he's really bitter about getting outsmarted by his apprentices. Yeah. Which is great as a character, um, as character arc, but when he's just like rude to Roxas, basically saying like, you can't be upset about this. You don't even have emotions. It's like, <laughs> fuck you, man. Like, yeah, man. And Dude. I think just getting so emotionally involved in uh, Roxas's story, the moment where he's just like thrashing at Diz, who is just a data protection, just out of anger, Sora would never do that. At least the Sora that we knew going up into that game. Mm-hmm. And then the pod opens... And Roxas's theme kicks in, like the saddest theme. Mm. For those who have listened to the podcast, Roxas is my favorite character. He just is. But his theme kicks on, and he sees Sora for the very first time. He's got had dreams about him. He's yeah. been told about him. He's never met him in person before, and he no. sees that they're sleeping in the pod, and he just he's looking at him, and he just goes, Sora. You're lucky. And you just realize you're like, he is! Because Roxas is such a better character, but he's had to live a lie, and he's had to deal with all this loss, especially when you do account for everything that happened in 358. Right. After all of that, he goes there and he... He's like, this was never my story. Yeah. Ugh! This was never my story. Like I was just a piece of... But that's what it is! I know, but I'm saying it's like, so hard. Exactly. And then when he says... Oh. It starts to pan up and he says, my, looks like my summer vacation is over. Mm-hmm. It's like... It has such weight because it's basically his summer vacation that equates to his life. Mm-hmm. Both before and during this digital simulation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get that little... You get those little snippets of him throughout the game. Like when Sora's first waking up and you see Roxas way off in the distance in that black void. He's just like, Sora! And it wakes him up. When mm-hmm. Sora's saying bye to Hater Pence and Olette and that tear rolls because he's saying goodbye to his friends. He's like, oh, I don't know why I'm crying like that. That's weird. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's because of Roxas. You're there. You're in there. He's in there somewhere. And then the moment that gets me every time, every single time, is at the very end of Kingdom Hearts 2 when... Um, Sora, Sora and Riku make it back to the beach and it's Sora sitting there and Kairi's like looking over him and she flashes over to Domine and it flashes to Roxas and it's like he's still in there It, I tear up every time I see that because it's like he, he's home, he got his resolution and oh man but like that moment where he's like Standing there, this 
the music's kicking in. Mm-hmm. He's like he's in that battle, st- that power stance, wide legs. He's got the keyblade, and he just drops because he realizes exactly it's what like I accepting said. his fate and yeah. just like well, that whole like that's it for me, I'm just a piece of this story. It like oh, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking. Poor guy. So yeah. yeah, I think that I don't know. We haven't heard about him. I'm trying to connect everything to the new game. Yeah, right. Um, we haven't seen a lot of him. We saw a brief flash of him. In what could be the, What could be Kim the Keyblade Graveyard, I guess. Um, but yeah, Nomura said he's like the top secret character. He's not letting any info out about him because he's really important to the story. I don't know if that's... See, he's going to be like the last minute savior or something. I'm not Maybe. Because like we've heard... We've heard different things about, like, even in the trailers, people talking about, like, uh, I, I think one of the things that I thought was so funny about these trailers is, like, the first couple ones, Sora's like, Roxas did have a heart. We're going to get Roxas back, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then one of the later trailers, Zemnus is like, oh, we love Roxas. We'd much prefer Roxas to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh. and it's like, oh, he, yikes. But also, it's like, he, there's something hap- gonna happen with him. We see him, could be him lifting the, lifting his hood, pulling mm-hmm. the hood back. Could be Ven. We don't know. That's gonna get really confusing when they I'm both are on the board. I'm interested to see the, they, when they meet. They're like, huh? Uh, Jesse McCartney. Good on you with your voiceover. I know. Which is something interesting. Like I brought this up to uh, to Sammy uh-huh. when I was playing through the game because she's. I've been forcing her to live these stories with me Good. as I go through them. Um, something I notice is very subtle, but um, Jesse McCartney, who is the voice actor for Roxas and for Ven, um, does very subtle things to make his voices sound different between Ven and Roxas. Roxas is harsher than Ven, and Ven is more closer to the way he plays him, it's closer to like Kingdom Hearts One Sora. Yeah, it's really upbeat. It's like, yeah, like, I just want to make friends. Ventus. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's very subtle. You have to listen to them side by side, but it's like, it's something I appreciate. Like, as a voice, voiceover person, I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's funny that he made music for, like, all of, what, like, two seconds? Yeah. And then he goes into voice (laughs) acting, acting. and now it's like, that's all you really... Oh, yeah, just McCarty the voice actor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, what a funny turn of events. But no, he, he really does... You can tell he's developed these characters really well. Yeah. All of them, but... Yeah, God. Kudos yeah. to him. Kudos to him, for sure. And, I mean, I'm really interested to see where Roxas goes. Because they talked about... They've talked about in interviews, Nomura saying, like... You know, there may be more than one playable character. Mm-hmm. Who's to say? Who's to say? And we saw the most recent trailer. We're getting Riku. Yeah. But there's a secret part of me. That wants a, a playable Roxas at come, some point. Come in at the end and just like just wreck shop. Yeah, there you go. Bam, bam, bam. Oathkeeper, the Oblivion, like just go into town. That'd be but great. like I, I mean, I would love moments where you play as each of the people that you've played in throughout the series. That would be pretty. Just great. like for a minute, because like we get like so, we've had a similar moment to that in Kingdom Hearts Two, mm-hmm. where. Sora, on his way to the Thousand Heartless battle, gets snippets of playing with, alongside people who we've always wanted to team up with. Yeah, yeah. Cloud, 
Squall, mm-hmm. Tifa, Yuffie, Tifa, Yuffie, the whole thing. And I loved that moment. That was on my list before I, it, it made it pretty high before I got it cut. Mm-hmm. But I was, um, I would love something like that to happen. I can see that yeah. happening, yeah. It's a little bit of. It would be cool. Everybody. And it'd be a cool way to wrap up the story, even though this is only supposed to wrap up this saga. Yeah, right. That's oh god, I can't even think what's coming after I, this. I don't even want to think about what's happening. Exactly. Let's not um, look for too forward into the future. In fact, let's look back at your number two segue. Oh, is that funny? Okay. <laughs> uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Um. All right. We're gonna jump into some dream drop distance here. Um, now it was, it's it was kind of a tie between two different moments near the end where it's. Um. You know, like Master Zane or in the organization oh, chamber, just like going off about everything and anything. Um, but I picked the <clears> moment <throat> where Sora just dove into another sleep, whatever uh-huh. the context was. Um, Zigbar's there and he starts questioning about hearts, and then Zemnis shows up, and then he just they just like drop the, the drop bomb. The bomb. Like, this is what we were doing with the, the organization time, yeah. like just kidding it wasn't about them it was to copy Xehanort uh, many times and I was uh, listening to it earlier and it's really it's really creepy hearing Zigbar like I'm already half Xehanort but he said it so like like oh proud of it yeah and I'm like you're gross yeah well and I mean Zigbar slash Bragg has always been kind of a gross character kind of yeah but like I agree that moment where it's like me I'm already half Xehanort. And you realize, like... Because not all the members of your organization have the yellow eyes and the pointy ears. And that was the moment where I was like, holy shit. It makes sense. Yeah. The gray streak in his hair. Uh Uh-huh. Like, oh my god. (laughs) You're so right. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, and, and I mean... Also just kudos to... Was it Paul St. Peter? I think so. And then James... Patrick something? I just had it up here. Uh, James Patrick Stewart, which I haven't seen a lot of his work. I know he was on Supernatural for like two seconds. And I that's where I remember either. his voice. Yeah, that's interesting. But yeah, but oh my god, both those voices. Just Zemnis. Oh god. Oh, hard. I can't think of any lines I can say. But anyways, um, rambling. Uh, rambling as if. Right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Like, that's... A really profound moment and it's also speaking of one of my picks earlier like it's one of those moments where it really brings everything full circle it just shows you the scope of the plan mm-hmm. because we are kind of brought into the plan in birth by sleep where Xehanort is just like oh, I need a new body there you go there you and we realize that he never stopped looking even though he got Terra towards the future He's never stopped looking towards the future. It's like, I have to be everlasting. Which is insane. It is. And like, really scary when you think about it. Because there's they're talking about, like... In that scene specifically that you're talking about, where they're in the throne room and everything, where they're talking about, oh, this is the most future version of Xehanort. Like, this is the one that's coming back. Mm-hmm. And it's like... God, if he wins, like, he's just going to keep going. It, yeah, he really... How can you stop 13 powerful, smart, evil, veiny old guys? 
bald men. You think they all turn into just old him? Just like 13 you know, I don't know. old Xehanort? That would be pretty... Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put Gross. it past them. I know, they'll just sit around... I don't, I don't know if I want to I want to watch Saix turn into an old man like that. It'd be kind of interesting if they showed him, like, transforming his, his hair. Losing his hair. Out. Yeah. I but loved like, that moment where, like, one of... Like, all the other Xehanorts are, like, in the throne room. Mm-hmm. And then, like, one of them jumps up and, like, attacks. And he, you suddenly see Sykes' claymore. You're like, <gasps> no! He's one of them! There you go. Back to that ding. Sykes Axel tragedy. Callbacks all over the place. Callbacks all over the place. And even in the last trailer, you see him just standing there in berserk mode oh, watching god. Axel take all these lasers. And it's like, oh god, I don't want to see it. I don't, want, I don't want it to happen. I'm really worried. I'm worried about a lot of people in this game. It's, yeah. Donald. Uh, Can you just say, oh dear. Though, I'm not gonna lie. Once Donald fell, deep in my heart, as Sora, I would love to just shoot off a fireball. Shoot off a fireball. Donald needs healing. Fire. Fire. Thunder. <laughs> just for me. <laughs> just for me going back years. And it's petty. And I understand it's petty. Carlos. But like, finally getting that payback on Donald. <laughs> this is a good point. You deserve this. You deserve Look that. at what you caused. <laughs> All of Once those times you. that I needed heals. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's just a good scene, because then you, yeah, you just hear Xemnas rattling on about what was their intentions, and then, of course, Sora's like, and oh yeah, and he confirms that nobody's can be given hearts, you know. Yeah, they can feel, they can have emotions. And yeah, just like, goes everything out the window. Which was fulfilling, because like... As an audience, I think we kind of already knew that just based off of Roxas and Axel, mm-hmm. and of course Shion as well. But like getting that in canon confirmation, told, it is it was great. Logical, yeah. All right, so my number two is actually your number seven. It's the Keyblade Graveyard, cool. Um, because getting to, I mean, specifically for me, I think it was the first time we saw it in the. Uh, secret ending of Final Mix where we get the full scope of the battle because this is peak Keyblade Master. Mm-hmm. This is like, you look at it and you're like, this is what you could be yep. as someone who knows how the hell to use a Keyblade. Like, we see Aqua using probably one of the most overpowered, like, reflect spells I've ever seen you in very... my entire life. Yeah. Um, you get to see just the quickness, the movement. Um, you get spotlights for each of the main characters in Birth by Sleep, Terra, Ven, and Aqua, seeing how they all interact, how they all fight together. Uh, Ven's quickness while he's fighting Vanitas. Yeah. The power that Terra wields with that huge-ass Keyblade that is really way like, bigger than it should be. It's like... I don't know. It's at least as tall as him. At least. I want to say. But, like, just getting to see, like, this is peak performance. Like, this is where, once you once you level up all the way, mm-hmm. and you get that Keyblade Master, this is where you could be. This is where you could be at. It was, like, it was fulfillment for me, because, I mean, it, it really made all of those 
grinding moments, unlocking certain abilities, fighting shadows all over the place just so you could get that extra XP. Yep. Really worth it because like you it gives you that goal of like this is what you could be at. And then through Birth by Sleep, getting to play through all of these characters and getting you to see like Aqua using Mega Flare or like Terra using Meteor Crash. Like these are oh abilities gosh. that like Sora has not even touched. No, no. And doesn't even really get the chance to use anything similar to that until we get to Dream Drop Distance. Mm -hmm. So, I love that. I love getting to see, like, alright, this is what, this is the end goal. The potential of right. Keyblade abilities. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah. It was a nice little taste to, you know, where we could go, where we are going to go. Because mm -hmm. we're going to have, like, so many things to at our disposal. Oh yeah. my god. Gosh, like just keyblade transforming keyblades. Shot locks, attraction flows. Yeah, I cannot yeah. wait to shot lock some people with Sora. <laughs> shot locks were one of my favorite parts of Birth by Sleep. It is a lifesaver. It, is, it really was. It really was. So, before we get to number one, I would like to throw out a couple honorable mentions. Okay. If you have any, please feel free to chime in. I will. Um, my... I have to go do this because it was like it almost made it onto the list. Mm -hmm. But speaking of Dream Drive Distance, my first we'll do like maybe like a couple honorable mentions. My first honorable mention the Young Xehanort battle. Mm -hmm. Because we talk about throughout that game time travel, time travel, time travel, time travel. There is a moment in the Young Xehanort boss battle. You're Riku, you're playing. You've got your best commands on. You've been fighting him. It's been difficult. It's been hard. He's been using that stupid grab move that saps you of all your life, and if you don't hit a cure spell quick enough, you're dead. Yep. You finally beat him. I'm painting this picture for you right now. You finally beat him. You get that whole like boss where boss effect where you beat them. The whole like thing goes into slow mo. Like the yeah the. Yeah. And then you just hear him go, stop. Uh, and yeah. then everything suddenly rewinds, and you're back at the beginning of the battle. I, standing in my living room, <laughs> flipped my controller. No! Oh, I had never seen anything like that before in my life. Where he cheated, used time travel, and started over. That's pretty great. I didn't, and I didn't realize that if you didn't attack the clock fast enough, it would just automatically do that. I ended up fighting Young Xehanort, no lie, six times before I realized. All That's in the span of one battle, one mm -hmm. life, mm -hmm. I fought him six times before I realized how to actually beat him. To, yeah, the proper way to do it. So, th just that moment of like being like, yeah, I beat the final boss, and then like, stop. <laughs> and then it just whoa no! It How dare you? Back. Yeah. Oh my god. Stop. Blew my mind. That's all it takes. Blew my mind. I love it. I love that they played with that concept. Just kidding. Yeah. And it like subverts that whole idea of like boss battles end when they end. Yeah. And it like oh that messed Way with me so hard. hard. Um, I also really really enjoyed because I the most recent one that I just work my way through was uh, Fragmentary Passage 0 0.2 mm. so okay. I loved the moment when we got that kind of full circle moment in the realm of darkness 
you see Kingdom Hearts 1 Riku running to the door to meet Sora. Yeah. Um, Aqua ends up fighting that wicked tornado of Heartless. It hits Mickey, knocks his shirt off, <laughs> yeah. like all anime fights do you know eventually. Yep. And then it like it sets the stage right there. And it's like, okay. I get it. Okay, I get it. I, I get it why all this stuff has happened. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Um, I think I had one more. Uh, oh, it was just the Thousand Heartless battle. That is something that, like, for me, when I first played it, I was like, I'm going to lose. Yeah, there's, there's a thousand of them. Yeah, really. There's like, here, you know, good luck. But, like, Take them down. getting through that fight and, like, being able to beat all of them is so cathartic. Oh, yeah. So, those are my honorable mentions. Do you have any honorable mentions? Oh, God. Um,. God, I should. I mean, come on. Uh, um, one maybe just Dream Drop Distance meeting the world ends with you characters. I was a huge fan of that game when it came out on the DS. So having seen them in like a three D um, world, original voices, everything, it was just so much fun. It's just one of my like favorite other Square games, and just seeing like two. Yeah. But my favorite characters meet, like, I mean, any Final Fantasy or right. Disney interaction in those games. Well, it's so interesting, because I, I never played that game. Mm. So, like, when I met these characters, I was meeting them for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, that, like, went over my head, and I was like, okay, I had to go back and do my research, the world runs with you, all this stuff. But I liked the characters a lot, and I can only imagine as someone who played through that game getting to interact with them is, mm-hmm. would be super cool yeah there's like in the original game there's such strong personalities so it's funny to see Sora someone very like friendly open willing to help against someone who Neku he's very closed off and uh, independent mm-hmm. and you know just clash like yeah. you're, so you're gonna help me you're my friend what <laughs> none of that um I'm just trying to throw other things that I like a lot. Goofy's supposed death. Oh yeah, that was, was on pretty my list rough. Too. Oh. Um, I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I can just oh. list moments. Well, but. then we will jump into our number one moments. Okay. Damien, what is your number one Kingdom Hearts moment? Um, gosh, at the moment, it's kind of cliche and kind of silly. Um, maybe not silly. Uh, the ending to. I guess 0.2 with Sora coming back to Yen Sid, meeting up with Donald and Goofy and being like, okay, here's what we have to get going to do. You got to go get your powers back. Mm-hmm. We got to find Aqua and Vin and Terra. We got to... Miku and Mickey are off doing their thing now. Kyrie and Lee are training. So it's like, we got to handle business. So... And just seeing, especially like the gummy ship and like really yeah. good quality. Yeah. And then just like the lead up and he's like, how are we going to get there? And then opens the warp portal, zoom, Boom. reconnect Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so ready for this. Yeah. It's just, it was just the real uh, another realization that the culmination of all these years is finally coming to fruition and we're going to yep. kick some butt and get some character resolution and 
I don't know. It just it just really put into perspective, like we've been saying that this this saga is coming to an end, and there's all this hype and yeah. I I really want this to be a good game. I know. Please, please, Nomura. We waited so long. (laughs) Right, go for it. Yeah, and I, I think I think that's a good that's a good pick because again, it's like it's getting us like this is what to expect for the first few hours of. Mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts and it, it also did that whole like here's the explanation of why you're starting at level one again <laughs> right you, you sucked at your 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 test your mark of mastery so it's time to get your shit back yeah get together buddy yeah I I always love like arbitrary like in canon reasons on why you lose I, yeah, all your stuff yeah mentioning that which was the reason yeah sort of started from scratch and the second game because he lost right. all his memories. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember saying that. So, my number one is the reason I walked back my boss battle rule. Oh, okay. Because my number one moment in Kingdom Hearts is the ending laser segment in ah. Zemnis from Kingdom Hearts 2. That moment, picture this, ladies and gentlemen. You're fighting through the last battle with your buddy Riku. Everything that you have gone through in the past three games has come to this. Mm-hmm. You're fighting Xemnas, you get him whittled all the way down to half health, and then all of a sudden, boom, boom, screen goes black, and all of a sudden, all of these hundreds of fucking thousands of millions of lasers suddenly appear around you and Riku, and Xemnas is like, dodge this shit. And like, just start <laughs> throwing them all at you all at once. And as Sora and Riku, two best buddies, the best of friends, you get to control them both, deflecting a million lasers. It's just, it is the biggest, like, power moment for me Mm -hmm. that happens throughout the entire course of the series. And it's strictly like I'm sure you know in uh, Brick by Sleep Aqua throws up a reflect spell deflects everything Xemnas dead but <laughs> at that moment in time and I uh, I have this in common with a YouTuber that I was listening to on this for some reason anytime I play through that game and I've played through Kingdom Hearts 2 the original Kingdom Hearts 2 I played through 23 times no way I, I swear, you I loved that. Me I loved that game, and it also didn't help that that was the only game I had for a really long time. Well, but that explains it. <laughs> every single time I played through that game, and it's, and he, even now, years later, when I played through it for this series, there is that stressful moment of, what if my controller slips out of my hands? What if I suddenly, for some reason, am trying so hard to deflect these lasers that I throw my controller? And it lands in a lake somewhere. Like, but irrational fear. Because you are deflecting these lasers, your keyblades spinning, Sora and Riku are jumping so all much around each on. other. Like, oh. Yeah, and like that's another moment where like it beats out the Keyblade Graveyard segment for me because looking at the Keyblade Graveyard segment, what we were talking about with um, seeing the peak potential of the Keyblade wielder. Yeah. It's great. And it gives you something to aspire for. 
But the laser segment, you are physically actually doing. You are the peak performance, deflecting millions upon billions of lasers that are raining down from you from the sky. Mm -hmm. Like, it is just so fulfilling that you feel like everything you've done to this point has worked up to this moment. And it's two friends deflecting lasers so that they can beat the bad guy and win the day. So that is that is my number one. Satisfaction, yeah. And it's just, I it's a special place in my heart. Even with that, like irrational fear of like somehow losing my controller breaking it in half or whatever Mm -hmm. like the sheer joy that comes onto my face whenever that like the lasers get queued up you're like I'm ready I got my was it X and triangle yeah which is so funny because I didn't realize that you were controlling both of them uh-huh. So I was just hitting the triangle button, which was just moving Riku. <laughs> and so Sora's just getting pummeled with these lasers. And I'm like, what's happening? What's happening? I died the first time. And I'm like, how, is it, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> I can't make Riku go any faster than that. It's not working. What's and happening? then realizing that pressing X moves Sora as well and just like mashing both those buttons. Turn, like, oh, incredible. Incredible. And it makes you feel like a Keyblade Master. Yeah. I agree. Potential. Oh. So good. I love it. So those are our top seven moments in Kingdom Hearts history. What are we looking at right now? How long have we been going? I have no idea. Looks like just under two hours. I'll show you. Oh, okay, just over an hour. Alright. We have been yapping, wow. So this is going to be one of the longer episodes. Not too bad, not too bad. Um, do you want to rapid fire some nitpicks? Uh, yeah, we can do a couple. Let's do it, let's do it. We're, we're going we're gonna to rapid fire some nitpicks right now. We're going to try and add them up to 13. So we don't necessarily have to come up with 13 each. But we're going to try and... Get these together. down. Okay. 13 down. Okay, we can do that. Um, okay, so my first nitpick, Donald Duck's healing ability. <laughs> I Unreliable. I Unreliable, super um, untrustworthy. I have never trusted him to give me heals ever. Ever since I was betrayed during the... Um, the original Riku boss fight. He was just not helping you out. He just didn't help me at all. I'm like, I, I, I have no more potions. At that point, I had not really gotten used to using a cure spell. Donald, I need some healing, and he throws a fire spell. You dodo. Absolutely. Wow. He's trying. But not hard enough. Not hard enough. Poor guy. All right. Um, oh, God. I'm trying to think. Oh, uh, what did I just say? Uh, mushroom 8... At the mysterious tower, oh my where you have god. to like hit him eighty six times oh in the air. Oh my god! That was freaking awful. I, I spent eight hours across two days. It's it's unnecessary. I, it is unnecessary. I didn't even know how I did it, or I eventually did it, but oh my god, it took too long. Uh, yeah, way too long. Way 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 too long. Um, one of something I re- really uh, didn't like was. Um, Okay. 
It's going to be a little long-winded here. Okay. The command board. Oh my god, you know what? You just read my mind. The command board in Birth by Sleep. I get it. You want to long you want to make the uh, the playability a little bit longer. I totally understand. You want to give us something to do when we're like, oh, we don't want to keep playing through these worlds. Fine. But locking abilities oh, behind yeah. a command board? It's, it's pretty awful. It's awful. It's awful. There's no reason for it. So yeah, that that is that is my next nitpick. Yeah, I mean, come on, how can Cinderella get whipped one round and then the next one she's totally buys up everything? Ah, <laughs> it's so bad, rough. Um, okay, that's another one. Uh, 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 uh. Oh no, I can't think of anything right now. Uh, if you have another one, go for it, son. Um, my mind is blank right now. Dream Eaters. You don't like Dream Eaters? They, they were cute. That's fine. But I didn't sign up when I got Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance for a Tamagotchi simulator. <laughs> it was fine. I get it. But again, locking abilities behind something as arbitrary as that like really, really bothered me. I love the concepts and I loved Sora's um, relationship with them, especially that like ending scene. But playing through them was such a time sink it is pretty yeah i don't know i haven't, I haven't played it yet again so we'll see how that goes but i mean <laughs> them, them, them take a long time right you're gonna partners um oh i just had one and it is gone again uh where were you oh no i'm sorry no no, no you're good you're thinking good, you're good. Where am I um so what happens the when? empty worlds i mean uh, nobody yeah. in the coliseum cheering in confetti <laughs> I, that, that, thankfully that's kind of getting fixed in the I new hope one. so At least, especially like the tangled world you see a lot of NPCs that's so true though you see these empty stands and people are cheering sure. you're like where are they coming from I'm like are you kidding me <laughs> like the platforming in Birth by Sleep was so good but there were a lot of just big empty areas and I was like this is kind of sad especially like the Sleeping Beauty throne room was just this huge oh thing. god like, nobody here agreed absolutely Everybody's agreed dead. So I'm hoping that, like, I would love to just see people walking around in Traverse Town. Yeah, literally. But I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I think the... Just the gameplay of 358 over two days. Mm. I'm just going to say 358 over two days. Yeah, I was going to say. That inconvenienced me. The title... Some of the gameplay, it really, because like having to make having to get your abilities through this grid board is dumb. Yeah, you have to like level up with right. Command. And there's no way that you should. Like I get it. Like you, you want to make it a mobile thing, so you figured mission based gameplay was the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you sit down and play it, you get bored so easily. Mm -hmm. And I mean the. The story is phenomenal, but the gameplay is just... It's its missing something. Yeah, it's it really missing something. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It's maybe just variety. Yeah, more agreed. Interesting agreed. Things to do. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, this is a personal one. Okay. Leveling up in Chain of Memories. Ah, uh, so okay. Because, you know, you're trying to get all the trophies and right. platinum and everything. Absolutely. Um, I got level 99 of Sora, but I don't know. It took... 
way longer than it did in like well any other game because right I mean, you know you're jumping into confined battles um mm-hmm. yeah i didn't get Riku because i was like you know what not gonna I do can't it. do this right now. <laughs> I do not have the patience. I have to get going. I'm already behind schedule. I'm playing through. So yeah, yeah, that was that's pretty rough in that game. Mega Flare and Destiny Islands like 500 times. Right. Yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah, I uh, a lot of the grinding is tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. But Chain of Memories, I think, absolutely. Did not do it for me. There was no for sure. Um, I think some of the uh, some of the dialogue, some of the dialogue is very like I get what you're trying to say, mm-hmm. but you didn't need to use as many words as you did. It's like just say it. It's like over-explaining things. Yeah, especially what you were talking about a second ago, Zemnis. Zemnis loves his Shakespearean dialogue. He does. He likes when to talk. It's like there's no reason for it. There's there's no reason for him to go on about like hearts of we, rage, yeah, hearts, of, hearts anger. of anger. Then we are strength. Yeah. He's very very dramatic. Absolutely. Um I guess it is kind of a nitpick just Gummy ships. I mean, I've enjoyed yeah. them to a Agreed. point, but it's. It, I didn't finish any in the second game just because you had like two levels of them, then you had like advanced levels of them. And I, was just, I, I don't have the time for this, so I'm oh, hoping because yeah. I think the new one's supposed to have like more open world battling or something. Uh, okay, something interesting like that. I don't. That's from what I've heard. They really well, they, showed a lot. Well, and they've said like they've done like. It completely revamped the gummy ships again. Yeah. So we'll, so we'll see. We'll see how they go this time. Yeah, one revamp led to this, so yeah. Very. Ugh. Yeah. So. That's tough. Um, here, here's a really, really small nitpick. I, and again, this is a personal thing. I would have loved to see more games get more themes. It okay. kind of bums me out that pretty much every single game uses Simple and Clean. Amazing song. Mm-hmm. It's the linchpin of the franchise. But when they revealed that, hey, it's not going to be Simple and Clean for Kingdom Hearts 3, I was like, oh, God, finally! Because it's like, I, I loved the jump from Simple and Clean to Sanctuary mm-hmm. for Kingdom Hearts 2, because I was like, okay, we're showing progression. Yeah. But I feel like every single time we go back to it, I'm expecting a new theme for every game, and it just goes back. I think, yeah, I think it just chronologically, like certain games in a period of time, use that theme. Have you noticed that, like three, five, eight, two, recoded, use, pat, use sanctuary. Do they? But like birth by sleep, zero point two. Um, I don't know. Well, chain of memory is kind of used. No, I think they did use it. Yeah. It was simple and clean. Yeah. So I don't I think it's just like a I don't know if that's Maybe that is see I I kind of came up with that independently for like the podcast intros. But Mm -hmm. like Right. Okay, I'll have it in like sections. But like I didn't because I was sure that simple and clean was used for three five eight and coded. I don't think But I could be wrong. I think it was I keep using the Japanese term. Uh, I think it was sanctuary. That's interesting. A bit of it. 
Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's the reason behind. Yeah, that's what, like when we jump back to zero point two, they used simple and clean, but a new remix of it. Right. What do you on a side note? What do you think of the new themes uh, for uh, Kingdom Hearts Three? Um, what's uh, don't think twice. I like it. It's weird. They released the full version, and near the end, I kind of don't. I'm kind of iffy about it. Just really. She, I don't know. I don't know if it's I, I the lyrics the are like repeating version, yeah. a lot. I don't know. Oh. Maybe I was expecting more like lyric changes. Um, it's still good. I still like it. Right. Um, Face my fears. I really like. I I've never been like. I've never really like listened to Skrillex, but I'm like really. Yeah. I'm like. Yeah. Well, and it it brought me back to um, to hearing that version of Simple and Clean for the first time the top, in Kingdom Hearts yeah. One because I'm like. Get it? Yes, I'm ready. Yeah. Because I thought when they first released. Um, don't think twice. I was like, okay, so we're just gonna get like a techno remix of it for mm-hmm. the top. Yeah. But when they revealed "Face My Fears," I was so happy. And I actually, it, it's weird because like I know I, I'm gonna get a lot of hate for my simple and clean comment, but um, I really liked the remix that they did for Zero Point Two. You did. It was different. It I was. Did. It was almost like I don't know, like pop jazzy. Yeah, it wasn't like dun 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 dun. Yeah, it had yeah, a different yeah. beat to it, a different it rhythm to it. Definitely sounded different for sure. Yeah, I, I enjoy. I enjoyed it. I'll still listen to it. Yeah, I have no, I have no qualms. I don't think <laughs> there's ever been a theme I've not liked. Right, they did really good. Agreed. Or music. Um, I don't know what else. Okay, um, we got three more. Oh, should be a bunch of these, right? Um. Maybe. Maybe summons in the second game. I don't know. I, f- I like the summons. Maybe it's just not my play style. Same. Just they're. I haven't felt like they're worth using a lot of times, except Stitch in the Coliseum uh, racking he's up points. So vital to racking up points <laughs> in the Coliseum. Sit there and just let him bump off. Play his little ukulele. Oh my god! I'm just like, yeah, okay. Fifteen thousand. That's not. That's not big deal. Yeah, I guess we'll. I guess we'll just just sit here and let you do that. Yeah. Till we go through the next round. So yeah, and I and I'm hoping with the new ones. I mean, we they just, look incredible. They do look really good. So I'm hoping that. And also, it also seems like they're going more on uh, elemental stuff. It's mm. like aerial. Seems very water based. Some is fire based for some reason. Yeah. Which is what makes me think of that because like. Simba was never, like, a fire-based character. No, I guess it's... I don't know. So I'm wondering if they're putting, like, a uh, an elemental spin on all the summons, or if it's just, like, a creative choice. I don't know, because we have... Is it four right now? I'm trying to think. I know Ariel, they, Simba, Stitch, Stitch, Ralph. Ralph, that's right. I think that's all right now. That's, that's so, all the ones I can remember. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if Stitch is, like... Thunder electric based, maybe. Yeah. Maybe Ralph, Ralph will be rock or earth based. Something. Yeah. I don't know. Like we'll guy. see. We'll see. There are, there's a lot of things that we still don't know. And I I think they released another trailer like yesterday or the day before. And I'm like, I can't watch any more of these trailers. Oh, there's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some like little commercials Because they released. I, I was like, even this most recent one that shows like Donald possibly dying and Axel possibly dying, I was like, 
I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to watch this. And I'm like, okay, it's still a month out. There probably won't be that many spoiler things. So I watched it, and I regretted it immediately. (laughs) No. But the new world looks really interesting. Oh, God. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, what it's the like hell are we where's Scala going? Scala and Kylum or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so that's another thing. I know this is another tangent. Right. Just like, how deep of a lore are we creating for Keyblade wielders? Yeah, well, I mean, and that goes into... Um, the mobile game. Uh, yeah, the mobile oh, game. Oh, I can give a, a nitpick about that. Um, okay, go. Do it. Just, I mean, thankfully, I, I play the game on and off. I'll check in every day just to get like a couple bonus, you know, spending mm-hmm. spending money. Um, God, you have to like, you have to shell out for that game, like any mobile. Yeah, I've I've played some of it, and this game, is but... going to be, I want to say, releasing after the episode on that game. Mm. Um, I played some of it. It's interesting. It's it an is. interesting concept, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's the only way that you can get the Starlight Keyblade in Kingdom Hearts oh, Three. Oh my gosh, yes, and then I have to do that. Mm. It's not. It's not as bad. I I separated it out like over the course of like two days. Mm-hmm. Knocked it out. No, oh, did you? Yeah. One. Oh, I just sucked in. It was terrible. Oh, the, it, it, it's I'm a like, tough learning eh, curve for eh, all of it. How do I? Eggs. But, uh, <laughs> chickens. Eggs. That, that was the last one I. Is it? I got. Was that the most difficult one you? Yeah, that I would say that was the most difficult. The easiest one is the the giant. Yeah, you just have to. Yeah, time it. You just have to time it. And then I, I actually really dug the uh, the diner one where you're like making grilling hot dogs oh, and uh-huh. you have to like match everything to what everybody's doing. I like that a lot. But I also liked that dumb mini game in uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen too. So, the, oh yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't remember which time out. I didn't play a lot of it. I played a bit That's of so it. Good. I know I played some of it, and then I don't know what I did or was I got into something else or, and I was just like, maybe that's maybe that's the time when. Uh, 2.8 came out. Maybe I just went over that instead. I would love to get, like, Noctis or somebody in, uh... You would think he'd at least... Yeah, at least... Since they were kind of developed around the same time. I mean, yeah, they're babies, pretty much. And then, I mean... We can also throw in Prompto, and then he, Ven, and Roxas can all stare at each other. (laughs) Really confused. Wait, but you... But me... That's Sp- the Spider-Man meme. Yeah. Oh, have, you, have you seen it in Spider-Verse? No. I hear it's many great so things. It's so good. It's so good. I, and this is just me, it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. Out of all of them. Really? Out of all the live of action them. ones. Out of even the live action ones. It's my favorite Spider-Man movie. And I think it's one of my favorite superhero movies as well. It handles so many high concept things, not unlike Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. and it handles them really well. So, if you haven't seen it, go see it for sure. Maybe Christmas if the theaters open and I'm not missing it. Theaters are always open on Christmas. Well, then I might as well do that. <laughs> Shout out to all the people who work in theaters on Christmas. We appreciate your sacrifice. Yes, thank you for your service. Okay, so we have one nitpick left. We're on 13, number 13. Um, uh, I guess, I mean... I, I guess, I guess... Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely waiting for these games. I think something we touched on earlier, the fact that Sora almost seems to get dumber every Mm. single game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And more naive. Like, somebody on YouTube put up a compilation of just Dream Drop Distance, of moments where Sora gets lost in the plot. And it's just like, what? Huh? What do you mean? Why are you here? What's going on? I don't get it. Like, all of these things, like, it's literally, it's literally like a three minute long, just, just clipped together just of him. And it's like, like is, is he just going to be really, really dumb in Kingdom Hearts 3? Mm-hmm. Like, I, because I could see that, but I really don't want him to. I don't either. And th- some of the trailers, there have been some dialogue he said. They, there was one point, God, I think it's in the Frozen world. Um, uh, I don't remember what he says. He says something to Larkseen that's like, um, I can't think of it. Something like, so what, you're, you got your darknesses or something. Or, I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Yeah. But, and then like in the recent one, he just, he's talking to young Vader. He's just like, so what? Yeah. I'm like, and then, but then you go to like him talking at the beginning of the trailer, very deep, like, they can take your heart, they can take your home. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, so where where's the connection you, here? What is who are you now? I don't even know who you are. Uh, but, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, he's gonna go through ten years in this Kingdom Hearts three, and his maturity is gonna hit twice. So that <laughs> by the end of the game he is ready yeah. to be an adult. Thank God. <laughs> he's ready to cry. But, oh god. I'm really worried about some of these characters. Yeah. What's in I don't know, what's into I don't know. I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm like theorizing things now. Because he's looking for the key to return hearts. So it's like, does is that a physical thing? Is that an ability? Is that maybe something... Maybe he loses everybody in the end, maybe. Uh, and that's somehow he... I don't know, he's the key to return hearts? I don't know, maybe, some kind of something it, that it's, like... It's going to come up with something similar to that, I'm sure. Yeah. You know. um, I'm interested because they... Uh, I mean, at the end of Dream Drop Distance, they talk about, oh yeah, Mickey and Riku are going to... No, it was at the end of uh, 0.2. They're talking about, all right, Riku and Mickey are going to go around the darkness to rescue, rescue Aqua. Mm-hmm. And we see he still has the way to Dawn Keyblade. Yes. But that it gets broken at some point, and then he gets his, um, his car key, Keyblade, mm-hmm. which I love. I love it. Damien actually has a... Uh, is it a Play Arts figure? It's, yeah, it's a Play Arts. It's a Play Arts figure of Kingdom Hearts 3 Riku. And I see it, and immediately the first thing I say to him is like, I love this Keyblade. This car key. And it's like... it's it, just, it looks like a giant car key, and I know that's a common complaint, but I love it. I love the look of it. It's, it's, it's very sleek, very modern, very... Exactly. Very Riku. Looks... New Riku. More like a sword than any of the other Keyblades ever had. That's what I was going for. But I'm wondering, is like that's a keyblade that he manifests? Is that right. the? As they talk about the keyblade of the realm of light, the keyblade of the realm of dark, is there a keyblade for the realm in between? I don't know if we've seen it. Could that be the keyblade that, that Riku's holding? It could very well be. I mean, it does have a Mickey keychain. That's true. So and only the important ones do. Mm-hmm. I loved him getting the keyblade in point two. By the way. Yeah. Huge, huge fan of that. Oh my god, it was so good. 
something like little that I loved about that game is like when Mickey finally joins your party. Mm-hmm. Watching him run is the ho- most hilarious thing. Like oh, his big ass shoes just like flopping everywhere. <laughs> it's like my roommate Tim and I have this joke that like Mickey is the most hardcore guy in the entire series. Really? Like he has no fear at any time. He's just like Oh, thousand army of heartless! Here we go, and he just runs off. Yeah, like he's the most badass character, and I am looking forward to seeing more badass stuff from him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. We got all thirteen of our nitpicks. Just to recap for those of you who are keeping score at home, uh, we have Donald's healing ability, mushroom number eight in Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix, the command board, dream eaters, empty worlds, three five eight. Three, five, I think it's three, three five, five eight, eight days, days over two. Over two. Is proper that title. Uh, the grind for uh, chain of memories. The unnecessary dialogue. Gummy ships. Overuse of simple and clean. Summons in Kingdom Hearts two. Uh, Unchained. Unchained slash key, union, union cross. cross. All the stuff that's happening there. Oops. And then at the end. And then at the end, uh, Sora's backwards uh, adolescence. His backwards... What is it called? Uh, um, when, you, when you mature. The word. Everyone goes through it. Puberty. Puberty. His, his backwards puberty. Where he like just... His balls dropped, but his mind fell backwards. So go. like, those are our 13 nitpicks. Um, we even gave you a little some bonus predictions. Do you think... That world that we saw is going to be the last world. I think so. It, what I didn't know, uh, no more side notes. Um, that that world was shown in a trailer a couple years ago at the two point five, like a preview event. Was it? I guess, and it was called Cable Town back then. Cable Town. So when it came out, a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, that's Cable Town!" I was like, "What, what the hell are you talking about?" But it was never shown to the public. It was just shown to these few people. Oh, are, are so there like pictures of it or anything? Or? I don't think so. Probably like drawings. Okay. Oh, I remember okay. something about him in a library, which might be the same library that they're Cable playing Town. chess. But though we do see. I'm really interested in this cloud world oh, yeah. that it, that we see a couple times, and uh, um, we there's even a part where Sora's shown talking to a Chirithi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It. I know some people have said maybe it's like Kingdom Hearts itself. Maybe it's like Ven's heart. That would be interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah, he dives back in to rescue Ven or something. Because we do see those multiple Soras running around. We don't know what's going on with that either. Yeah. That makes me wonder if instead that being at the beginning, maybe it's near the end. Because Chirithi asks him, you haven't found the power to return hearts. So maybe somewhere uh, near the end that happens. Oh, maybe. By the way, and I didn't realize this until I played Union Cross, I love that the voice of Chirithi is Kari from uh, Digimon. Oh, I knew it. I was I've, like, this I've, is great. I have been... In a Digimon Renaissance recently, I got hooked on um, this YouTuber called Billiam, and he has this whole series just breaking down all the Digimon seasons, and it reignited my love for Digimon again. I love it. It's so good. It's so classic. And hearing her voice come out of the little cheer thing, I was like, oh my god, I'm home. Oh, this is so good. Ah, flashbacks. Oh my god. Yeah, I see the Funkos of Digimon, and I'm like, oh man. 
Throwbacks. Throwbacks. Yes. The, ori- the original Dream Eaters. The real Dream Eaters. <laughs> Do you ever get those little the little digivices you had to take care of? God, I, I don't... I feel like I did have one. Or maybe it was the, the second generation one that was... Yeah, like the one that looks like a walkie-talkie. Yeah, I think yeah. I have one of those, but not the first. Yeah, it's... Man. So, but yeah, I think Cable Town or Skull Ed Kylum or however they're going to call it, I, th- I think it's going to be the last world. Because Nomura said in an interview that the last world that we go to is his favorite. Mm-hmm. And that would make sense if we're talking about you saying it was originally like kind of previewed in 2015. Mm-hmm. He's been working on it for a long time. Yeah. Who do you think is going to die. Oh, we're going to jump into that. Like, die and be dead, or die like and die be dead. and... Um, we, we can separate them into two. Like, die and be dead, or die and come, come back, back at the end. But die, let's go with die and be stay dead at the end. <sighs> okay. Um... I feel like Lee's a possibility. Absolutely. I feel like... I feel like the main three, although they could, like, die... Mm-hmm. I, don't, I feel like they can't be mixed. I agree. I feel like Lee could possibly die and we'll be like, okay, this is the end. We're yeah. Tie up his story. Okay. I, mean, I could... I could absolutely see that. I could also see... Donald being being the one out of our main characters to like really fall and just die in the story yeah I could actually because I at first I I was thinking I was like oh it makes sense for it to be Mickey right because he's he's the older master and then he falls and somebody else has to take up his keyblade mm-hmm. but I don't see Disney signing off on I'm Mickey square killing Mickey so I could see them taking out Donald because we already got that fake out with Goofy, and I think if they did it again with Goofy, it wouldn't feel as... Yeah, um, kind of play us into that hand. Right. Like, nope, he's actually... He's still going to be alive, I'm not worried about it. But if it's Donald, Donald is... who has relatively stayed scot-free Pretty from much. anything that's happened, I think that could definitely happen. But I agree, like even, especially with the scene we saw in the trailer, with Lee getting like just penetrated in the worst way with those lasers and just Sykes watching on. But mm-hmm. I need a reunion with him and Roxas before that happens. I know, that's why... Oh, yeah, that's the thing. Just like that's going to be tough. Happen. Do you see anyone getting faked out? Faked out? Like, oh, they're dead, but then they come back. Because I could see them doing that to Kyrie. You think, like, she'll, like, die and then... Like, yeah, she gets kidding. swept up and he's, light. Yeah, so like, that's possible. I can see that. I, yeah, I feel like she needs. I feel like I don't know. I really hope they like do her some justice because I mean they're building they're, her up to be. They are really like. They're putting they kick some butt. Her and Lee in the hyperbolic time chamber mm-hmm. to like train to be Keyblade Masters, which I also love. I loved Lee getting a getting a Keyblade. Um, I definitely think I'm really worried about Aqua. You think she's gonna? Just in general, 
Just in general? <laughs> yeah, you and everybody else. That, that's my sweet, precious baby. And seeing her norted really, really upset me. At yeah, the end was, of that, at the end of, I think it was like the second or third trailer. Some, when she's like, you're some. too late. She's got the silver hair and the eyes. Everyone's and, like, no, no. Like, that, her, she's untouchable. She is, she is the master. She is the Keyblade master. But I don't know. I'm worried. I'm excited to see Roxas again. I loved one of my moments that didn't quite make the list was I loved the moment where we find out that the Land of Departure was actually Castle Oblivion. Mm, I thought about that too. I loved seeing that because I was like, oh, fuck it. That's the perfect place to hide Ven because if Xehanort wants him, he's going to have to deal with that card game bullshit. Exactly. Like, he's, he'll, he'll get bored and he'll leave. There's no way he'll go through all those <laughs> floors. He's not going to want to deal with that guy. But, um... But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how we save them. You know, it's interesting. Well, I don't know. This is technically a spoiler. I mean, who cares? But yeah, um, or for you, one of the commercials they released, they didn't edit it properly. Oh no! So I don't know if you want to know. Go um, for it. Go ahead. You could see Ven fighting behind them. What? In the Keyblade Graver. Yeah. There's like a brief like cut oh, to him Soggy's back there, but God. he wasn't edited out. So they had to like. Revoke it. Okay. Wow. Fix it. I know. I'm like, oh, it's Somebody's happening. Somebody screwed up. Somebody's fired. Yeah, I'm like, well, apparently he wakes up, but we don't know why. I mean, I figured that we would save Ven at some point, because, like, that's... Do you think we'll save him, like, first? Or do you think I don't we'll know, because we, we've got, like, a checklist, for sure. What do we... And Nominee, how is she playing into all this? She's on the cover art for... I saw that, and I'm like, isn't she back with Kyrie? Is it Roxas technically with Sora? How is he outside now? Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. Well, though I loved the scene in uh, Dream Drop Distance where it, like pans out and it shows all of all of them together mm -hmm. like, with the Keyblade and everything. Damn, I was a little bummed that they showed Roxas with just the Kingdom Key and he didn't have both of his dual wheels. Right, it's like way to downplay. Do you think we're gonna get drive forms? No, no, I mean those. There's like a sort of drive form, but I don't think it's like its own like section. I think it's more as like a situation command thing. Oh, okay. Because there was, because I mean you've seen him in like the guard form, which is like yellow, and there's yeah. a, like a magic form, which is blue, and there's. But I almost, I almost feel like that's going to be like a customization thing. Like the other oh, color, yeah, it's like outfits, yeah. That could be interesting because, like, we saw it with point two, mm -hmm. like the customization that you could do for Aqua. Yeah, some of those items are ridiculous, by the way. Kind of, but um, I would be interested to see if they do any kind of customization for Sora mm. in the game. Um, but I think I would love to see drive forms again, but I think they're going to get outclassed by Keyblade transformations, probably, just because. All of these things, like I know, this is. I thought that this is such a good idea because they were right and they were explaining that a lot of the keyblades you get them and then toss them to the side because there comes a better one, right? But these give more emphasis on using everything and everybody and exactly. So, especially if the tr the keyblade transformation that you get plays into the play style of the next world you go to. Yeah, I think that's 
that's a good way to keep people using these Keyblades. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't really impressed at all with any of the Keyblades in Dream Drop Distance. And I might have made it harder on myself because I played through on Proud Mode. Mm -hmm. I just kept the Kingdom Key and the Weighted On throughout the entire time. Oh, really? And it sucked because battles took so much longer. Yeah. But, like, for me, it's just, like, none of the designs really jumped out at me. Like... Yeah, that's the thing, too. Other games in the past. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm hoping... That my favorite Keyblade, the Oblivion, comes back. Oh, I'm but sure we'll see. it has to. Um, they're necessary at this point. Yeah. <laughs> With those, transformations, those that would be kind of interesting. I don't know what it would oh. transform into, but... Well, I think it, it would be interesting, because we know that the Starlight Keyblade that you get from playing the games or whatever is supposed to be just a skin or something. Oh, maybe. Maybe it's not. A... For the Kingdom Key, but... If it's a its own separate keyblade, I'm interested to see how that transforms, mm-hmm. and if these yeah. keyblades do have transformations, or if like I don't know, it's it's gonna be interesting for sure. There's a lot going on. So there, there's so much going on, and like you were saying with the flow motion, um, there's a lot. I thought I thought I saw at a certain point in the uh, in some of the gameplay trailers like the bugs from Coded. Like the blocks. Yeah, that's in it's in the Big Hero Six world. Yes, and it's maybe Data Riku, but I don't. It's what it alludes to. Yeah, it alludes to Data Riku. Like we, he's coming back. We see Vanitas, which I'm like, how? Yeah, I know. Like but that. I don't know. Who do you think the Thirteen Darknesses are going to be? Mm. So, okay, so we've got Xehanort. Yeah. We've got young Xehanort. Because we see we've seen him a couple times. Xemnas. Mm-hmm. Ansem. We know Vanitas. Uh, Vanitas. Uh, Zigbar. Zigbar. Syx. We see Larsine and Marluxia. And Luxord. Yeah, out of all of them you bring back Luxord? Let me roll some dice. Let's play a game. Luxord. The time is the loser. Do we see... Oh yeah, Demix. We uh-huh. saw as well. So that leaves and, us... Well, how many here left, sorry. With two. Two. Well, Vexen is there. I can't remember if he had yellow eyes or not. Or he was changed. Oh, that's a good point. Because he was talking to Demix. But he was. He was Norman or not. That's interesting. Yeah, then there's just one more spot, right? Yeah, because they needed one more darkness. Yeah, that's that's darkness. true. But then where do where does this um, where does Data Riku fall in? Yeah, see, I don't because there's like Data Riku. Maybe they're not even going to use them as a darkness. Maybe they're just like going to start plucking characters from all these random places. Well, with time travel and everything, yeah, I could, I I could, could. definitely see that. It's like, it's just and we did. I mean. I think it's a pretty good possibility that we see Shion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, if that's not her at the end. Does Aqua count? You know, I don't think so. I think people were saying she's... Because she's not, a, not in a cloak? Not in a... Well, that too. But they were saying she's more... She Her, her costume, her yeah. dark look, was more akin to... Um, I think all the... A Darklings from the Unchained 
from the mobile game. Oh, There's like a certain type of heartless, yeah, yeah, which yeah. are like fallen keyblade wielders. I gotcha. They have like red aesthetic and stuff. So oh, they were thinking it's that. I don't really know. Okay. It's really hard to say. I think they're just trying to throw us for a loop and they might throw right. some random. Do you think that the reason that maybe Xemnas is trying to get Roxas is because they want him to be the 13th? Pro- maybe. I mean, they did. Well, what was it? Young Xehanort said they wanted Roxas initially, but yeah. he, of course, was self-aware and he decided, no, I'm not going to cooperate. Um, I mean, maybe. Maybe if it's like a different or data Roxas, maybe they think they can control it better. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, like we said, we don't really know what Roxas yeah, is Yeah, what his role is going to be. All right. So we're, what are we looking at right now? All right, we are just under two hours. This episode went real long, but think about what you got in here. You got top seven moments from each of us. You got 13 nitpicks, seven lights, 13 darknesses. You got um, honorable mentions. You got talk about Digimon. You got predictions. Go this see is a, Spider-Man. Go see Spider-Man. If you, by this point. if you haven't, which at this point, yeah, since it's come you? out, it's like mid-January, late January. I think this is. I want to say it's the last episode before the release of Kingdom Hearts Three. Oh my god! Just a couple so, of days. Oh in god! This, at this point. Ooh. Oh yeah. Feeling it. But um, jam-packed episode, ending uh, the build to Kingdom Hearts Three correctly. I want to say thank you to Damien for finally jumping in on this podcast oh, yeah. with me. Thanks for letting me ramble on for <laughs> two hours. I love it. It was fun and like getting kind of the retrospective of all the moments that we kind of hold dear. I think was really it was cathartic. It is cathartic. It's a long time coming, so it's good to get some closure pretty soon. Yeah, it's what 16, 17 years. Yeah, we say 2002 tonight. Why am I math weird? Why is why my math weird? <laughs> why is my math odd? It's very um, early. It's like 16, 17 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I know it's crazy. That's a, that's a journey. Ooh, that is a like journey. Half of our lives. Yeah. So, <laughs> as as we ponder growing old and the passage of time, feel free to let us know what your top favorites. Uh, Kingdom Hearts moments have been across the entire series. Also, feel free to drop any predictions. Kingdom Hearts 3, at the time of release for this podcast, is going to be just a few days away. Can't contain the excitement. It's a little more ways away from us at this time of recording right now, but it's coming. It's coming. It's It's a long time coming. So... Again, thanks to Damien for also getting this whole thing kicked off. This was like way earlier this year. I remember getting a text or a message from you saying, "Is it? Is it?" I was saying like, "Start it." You should. Yeah, basically like waiting for your Kingdom Hearts episode, and like that kind of gave me the idea to make it a full retrospective series. So we are closing this out. Thank you very much for listening. And we will see you next time. Toodles. <laughs> Get it memorized, everybody. Come on now. Get it memorized!
Once again, want to give a big thank you to Damien for joining in on that discussion. I had a ton of fun discussing our top seven Kingdom Hearts moments, as well as throwing in some nitpicks and also doing a few uh, predictions for Kingdom Hearts 3, which I can't stress this enough. It's only a week away. But I really had a lot of fun getting to sit down and talk with him. Uh, he is a huge Kingdom Hearts fan, just like I am. He is, I will concede that he is a bigger Kingdom Hearts fan than I am. So it was really nice to be able to just sit down with him and discuss some of our favorite moments. And kind of celebrate the series, which is just chugging along. Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and it has been 13 years. We've been waiting on Kingdom Hearts 3 for 13 years since the release of Kingdom Hearts 2, and it is almost upon us. But for now, uh, we are going to go ahead and jump into this week's Comics Countdown. So um, let's do a quick little transition. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I discuss what books I'm picking up from my local comic shop on this bright and sunny, hopefully I'm not a weatherman, Wednesday, and what books I think you should pick up. Uh, Typically it's five books, though every now and then it'll be more, sometimes it'll be less. This week we have one six books that I think you should pick up, whether that be from your local comic book shop, on Comixology, uh, whether you order them, however you get your comics. I think these are books that you should definitely not pass up this week. So I'm going to be giving you the title, the creative team, and a brief synopsis that I'm pulling straight off of the uh, website. And of course I will be using my synopsis voices, synopses, voices... I don't know, however you would put that. And if you have a synopsis voice that you would like me to try out on any of these uh, synopses during this segment of the podcast, feel free to let me know at Pod. that's at GeekSplainedPod, on Twitter, or through email, because I'm an old man and I still read emails, to geeksplained at gmail.com. Uh, first up on the docket, we have Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number two. Uh, this is a really interesting book. This is kind of bringing Spider-Man back down to that street-level feel that I think... Um, Tom Holland has done a pretty good job with with his uh, Spider-Man Homecoming film, along with a little bit of uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which, for those of you who don't know, won a Golden Globe for Best Animated Picture and has been nominated for an Oscar for Best Animated Picture. So I'm excited for... Uh... Our neighbor's dog is very excited about uh, Into the Spider-Verse. It was her favorite film of 2018, and she is really really hoping that uh that it wins that oscar (laughs) so um yeah so i'm really excited this book has been uh really good so far the first issue really knocked it out of the park and tom taylor has such a good handle on this character and the art by uh, juan cabal is really good so we will go ahead and jump into the synopsis here spider-man is the worst neighbor ever there are always crazy villains and property damage and drama and 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 he catches the villains and he tries to fix the damage and he helps carry your groceries and actually that property damage keeps the rents down. You know what? 
Spider-Man is the best neighbor ever. And this book will give you a closer look at Spider-Man's and Peter Parker's neighborhood than any book ever. Also, it wouldn't be a Spider-Man adventure without a threat that could destroy not only Spider-Man, but all his neighbors. Superstar writer Tom Taylor and rising art star Juan Cabal give you the most local Spider-Man ever. So yeah, this is a really good book. Again, it's I I think it's one of those books that you can jump into. Uh, this is a good entry-level book for a lot of people who may be interested after seeing Into the Spider-Verse or after being introduced to the character with the uh, Tom Holland version. So I think this is just a really, really good book that really anyone can pick up. Next up, we have Avengers number 13, kind of, I think, the opposite of a book that just anybody can pick up. Uh, this is a, uh, a book that is really steeped in Marvel's uh, history and its lore, as well as the new lore that Jason Aaron is building for uh, not only the Avengers team, but also the Marvel Universe as a whole. Uh, this book is going to be focusing on the Iron Fist of 1 million BC. And if that sounds familiar, it is the synopsis that I gave you for last month's Avengers book. Uh, Avengers number 12, I was given the wrong synopsis and I should have done my research, so I do apologize for that. Uh, that book ended up featuring the moreover the uh, the formation of the Agents of Wakanda, which is a big like kind of secret spy network that Jason Aaron has been setting up with uh, former members of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well as more obscure characters in the Marvel Universe. But this is the real deal. This is the story about the first maybe not the first, I don't know, we'll find out in this issue, about the Iron Fist who was part of the Avengers of 1 million BC. Uh, this is written by Jason Aaron with art by Andrea Sorrentino. Big fan of Sorrentino's art and big fan of Jason Aaron's writing, so what can go wrong? Uh, we'll go ahead and jump into the synopsis here. Featuring the Iron Fist of 1 million BC. Andrea Sorrentino joins series writer Jason Aaron for another flashback tale of the prehistoric Earth's mightiest heroes. Meet the primordial woman who was the first to harness the power and the heart of the dragon Shu Lao, becoming the very first Iron Fist. So yeah, I guess according to the synopsis, it is the very first Iron Fist. So I'm excited about this. I love the Iron Fist lore. I love everything about that, uh, just that corner of the Marvel Universe. So I'm definitely going to be picking this book up, and I think you should be too. Uh, representing our only DC pick from this week. I know, it hurts me as a DC fan to be saying that, but I have not been a huge fan of a lot of what DC's been doing recently. So um, this is the uh, one pick that I am going with for this week, and that is Batman number 63, written by Tom King and Mikhail Janine. Janine. Um, Tom King has been getting a lot of flack recently. Tom King, uh, writer of the... Batman number 50 wedding special I think is really where it kind of started uh, it was not received as well as I think a lot of people were expecting and I think that's because of a uh, bait and switch storyline that I think one too many people including myself got invested in um, he also followed that up with Heroes in Crisis which has been received uh, which has received like mixed reviews so far um, a lot of people are praising the art and the uh, kind of noir style storytelling, but 
the fact that he's been killing a lot of people and seemingly is setting up one of the most beloved characters in the DC lore as a serial killer um, has been really, really not great. And then also he caught some flack this past week for the uh, most recent um, DC supersized book that got released to Walmart. For those of you who don't know, DC's been releasing these kind of jumbo books to Walmart exclusively based on these characters with new writers and new artists kind of jumping in and out of the stories. Just as kind of like an entry-level thing for people who are at Walmart and they want to pick up a comic book. Uh, in his Superman story, he's been writing Superman. Uh, I think the art is by Adam Kubert. I can't confirm that right now, but um, I believe that's who's drawing it. Uh, this week was, or this issue was not really well received in that this uh, this issue has been described by a lot of people as kind of a Lois Lane snuff comic. It's basically Superman is really nervous and is kind of picturing all of the really bad grotesque ways that Lois Lane could die. So it's literally the entire issue is just filled with multiple scenarios of Lois Lane death. So yeah, he's been having a rough time recently when it comes to uh, the public eye. But for Batman, I think through all of that, he has been soldiering on. And I personally think knocking out some really solid stories in so doing that. So uh, this one I am looking forward to. I think this is going to be no different. So we will jump into the synopsis here. There are strange goings on in the dark alleys of Gotham City. Mysteries that will require a different skill set than the caped crusaders if he is going to stop the whole city from succumbing to the darkness. John Constantine, the Hellblazer, is a person with just those skills. But after the events of the Witching Hour, is Constantine in any condition to help the Dark Knight detective? So I always really enjoy... Batman and Constantine team-ups because they're very different characters coming from two di very different places. But um, there's this underlying uh, similarity between the two characters and that they are both dark loners who don't have a lot of self-worth uh, self but are continually, almost constantly brought into other people's lives because of the good work that they do. So I'm really interested to see what this story is going to be about, how Constantine fits into it, and how it fits into the overall story that Tom King has been... Did I say Con Tom King or Tom Constantine? I'm getting mixed up. But I'm really interested to see how this fits into Tom King's like master plan for the whole Batman series. So definitely, definitely, definitely pick that back that book up so next is an interesting book this is being released by marvel comics but it's not a typical marvel comic this is war is hell number one uh this is written by this is comprising of two stories written by both howard chaikin as well as philip kennedy uh with art by dan panogian as well as others and this is an interesting book this is kind of um this is kind of a celebration because Marvel Comics, back when uh, they were in their Invaders days, as I call them, with their only superheroes really being Namor and Captain America and the Human Torch, um, they were really, really 
paired up with war, with uh, World War II. So a lot of the early Marvel comics as we know them, back before they were even called Marvel comics, uh, involved Captain America, Namor, and uh, the Human Torch involving themselves in World War II. So Marvel Comics has always really had uh, their fingers on the pulse when it comes to wartime stuff and all of the media that kind of attaches itself to it. And this book is what is being touted as a uh, a brand new edition of the original War is Hell uh, line, which focused on a lot of World War II stories. So I'm a sucker for World War II. Just anything in that era really fascinates me, and I'm really interested in this book. So let's jump into the synopsis here. All new war story. In honor of Marvel's 80th anniversary and history with war comics comes a brand new edition of War is Hell with two fascinating and soul-crushing tales of war. In the Mood by Howard Chaikin takes you to the skies as the Luftwaffe and the RAF battle over the English Channel for a battle tale of bitter irony. And War Glamour by Philip Kennedy Johnson brings you back to Earth in modern-day Afghanistan with a story that will chill you to the bone. So yeah, this is uh, going to be focusing on kind of more adult themes. So I would say if you are a young reader, probably not the book for you but um i'm again i'm super excited about this i really enjoy not saying like i love war or anything but i think anything surrounding war is really fascinating and the fact that it's being kind of revived and also gaining a companion piece for uh dealing with the afghanistan war i think is really interesting and bringing that into kind of the modern culture so definitely pick that up next up superior spider-man number two i am loving this book uh written by christos gage with art by mike hawthorne i actually had a uh had an exchange with mike hawthorne over instagram just because i really enjoyed um the first issue and i was asking him some questions about um some minor stuff but i just mike hawthorne replied with where he was coming from on the character as an artist, and I just really appreciated that dialogue. So shout out to Mike Hawthorne for being a super cool guy. But this book is going so well. I really enjoyed the first issue. I thought it was great. I'm excited to see where it goes next. And we might be getting more cosmic stuff when it comes to Superior Spider-Man, which for Otto being such a uh, scientific figure and having to deal with these cosmic entities, I think is going to be an interesting, um, really an interesting fish-out-of-water experiment for him since he's not normally the person who deals with stuff like that. So him dealing with, uh, at the end of the first issue, Terax, Herald of Galactus, arriving to Earth is going to be really interesting. So here is the synopsis for Superior Spider-Man number two. Terax has landed in San Francisco. This cosmic-level foe outpowers Otto Octavius, the Superior Spider-Man, by a factor of ten. Terex may have no problem defeating a spider-level hero, but he's never faced a hero who uses Otto's superior tactics. 
So yeah, it sounds like it's gearing up for a battle between Terax and uh, Superior Spider-Man, which I am all for. Definitely pick this book up. This The spider books are just kind of firing on all cylinders right now. So I would definitely recommend picking that one up. And finally, last up on the docket is a brand new number one. This is Guardians of the Galaxy number one, written by Donny Cates with art by Jeff Shaw. Uh, this is the start of a brand new era of Guardians of the Galaxy comics. Um, for those of you who don't know, in the previous big crossover event, Infinity Wars, um, we had a lot of stuff happen. Um, a lot of stuff. And over the course of all that, beloved Guardian Drax was actually killed. And even though it's kind of like, it's weird because like there's a, part of that last issue where it's like maybe he's just like partying with the other versions of himself like in the soul stone we're not totally sure but um either way he is off the board and this is a brand new guardians team that is going to be going up some more cosmic threats as well as of course our boy thanos so let's go ahead and jump into the synopsis for guardians of the galaxy number one who will stand the universe is on fire. Hundreds of worlds are at war. Never has there been such hatred and division across the cosmos. And in spite of all this, Thanos of Titan is still dead. Or is he? Now more than ever, the cosmos need the Guardians of the Galaxy. But in the aftermath of the Infinity Wars, who is left to answer the call? Featuring every cosmic superhero in the known universe by the Thanos Wins creative team of Donny Cates and Jeff Shaw. So yeah, this is going to be a, uh, seems like an assembling kind of issue where we get to finally find out who's going to be the mainstay Guardians team going forward. I would definitely pick this up. This is going to be a huge deal for Guardians of the Galaxy when it comes to uh, what they're going to be doing for the next good long while. Donny Cates has been just killing everything that he touches and I am super excited for this book. So that is it for our books this week. Uh, to recap, we have Batman number 63, Avengers number 13, War is Hell number 1, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 2, Superior Spider-Man number 2, as well as Guardians of the Galaxy number 1. So that is going to do it for this week's Geek Explained podcast. Um, again, we are less than a week from Kingdom Hearts 3 releasing, and I am stupid excited. And I am also excited for next week's episode, which will be going up the day after it releases on uh, Wednesday, of course. And that will be our final episode for Kingdom Hearts Month. And it's a big one. Next week's episode, I am proud to announce, is going to be Kingdom Hearts Ranked. That's right. I am going to be ranking every single game in the series from best to worst and it has not been easy, my friends. I've been working on this for a while, trying to get the positions right, getting my criteria down, and I'm excited to share the results with you. So um, look forward to that next week. Also look forward to Kingdom Hearts 3 next week. Uh, feel free to drop any predictions, 
uh, drop down your own list of how you would rank the Kingdom Hearts game, uh, feel free to tweet at us as well as give us a follow on Twitter at GeekSplainedPod. That's at GeekSplainedPod. And make sure to, if you want, send me emails because I'm an old man. I still read emails. You can send those to geeksplained at gmail.com. Uh, we're also still looking into an Instagram account as well as possibly a Facebook page. So if you're interested in those, please let me know. And um, yeah, that's going to do it for me. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I know this is one of our longer episodes. It's just under two and a half hours. So if you have made it all the way here, thank you so much. I appreciate you know that and i am excited for where we go next but for geek explain this is eric Zana. thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time how did i live in a kingdom of thieves and people who say things they don't really Everything I ever dreamed, ever dreamed of.